What's up, fam? Welcome to the Flow State Outdoors podcast. And I just can't live without you. What do you mean? I just fucking took Sheila's advice. Listen to me every time. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, welcome. Exactly, welcome back. Welcome to the Flow State production. We're uh, currently in a car. There's three of us in it. <laughs> My name is Aiden Doomsis. I have been uh, somewhat the driver of this trip. Wade has been the mechanic. <laughs> what is my mic? Why is my mic not working? What does Hello. that make me? My mic's We're the only back. one that's working, so I'm currently speaking. Yeah. But normally you'd probably hear Wade introduce us. Um, is no, mine working? I had the intro sorted, but I'm not that letting, was I'm letting you use the first part because for some reason. <laughs> Wait, girl, is mine the, working? They don't want the viewers to listen to authenticity, viewers, listeners, to listen to authenticity, eh? You can chuck it in. Chuck it in right here. Right if now. you choose to listen to it for the next seven minutes, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Otherwise, skip to probably the nine-minute mark. <laughs> and... <laughs> nah. Go yeah. Start us off. Hey, start us off. Working? You're, yeah, you're on. Oh, all right. You're on. Um, let's go back to those mechanic woes, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's drag on another doomsus. <laughs> <laughs> Won't name names. So we've had some car troubles, to say the least. I feel every good trip away has to involve some level of setback in the journey to get there. It makes it more rewarding, I think, when does. good shit does happen. Eh? It makes sleep rewarding when you get to the station at like 1.30 instead of 10pm like you planned. One thirty. We're talking 1.30am. Yeah. And didn't right. get to bed until fuck knows. And then we're up at 4.30. Yes. So, yeah. that's always fun. But we arrived safely with a good attitude. Yeah. Good attitude is key. And, yeah, the rest is history. Had a ripping couple of days. It's been a long time coming. Um, I wish we got as much sleep as Rennie. Yeah, we've got one <laughs> chronic fatigue victim here who just constantly sleeps when he's under trees. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a koala. You put him near a eucalyptus with a bit of shade and he's gone to bed. Yeah, to it. Oh, um, yeah. And Guilty make, as charged. <laughs> yeah. And making some mad snores. Oh, check this. I'm going to get the phone. Keep telling the story. Tell, keep going with the car story. I'm going to find this. Don't pull the audio up. Um, I am. What's your pin number without saying it? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyone that wants to steal Aiden's phone, his pin number is. Yeah. Um. Keep talking about in the car. Actually, no, I've got it straight away. Four six four eight. Listen to this shit. <laughs> it's loud as fuck on the mic button. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> that's daytime snoring for you. Under a tree. Maybe that's the reason we did not see anything at that spot. Yeah, that spot yeah. got spooked. I'm hearing that from a long way away. <laughs> Full napping. But no, um, well. Yeah, in all honesty, what? Six months we've been. Yeah, fucking around. Hanging to sort of. We've obviously caught up between now and then. Done a heap of sort of media stuff, cook ups, yeah. hanging out, sort of just vibing, I guess. We always have proper, proper cook, up, cook ups at home, eh? Yeah, that's right. No, it's good. But yeah. Always um, like wild game and. Yeah, the war game shit I'm fucking enjoying. Um, Hungry Hunter's still cooking away. Actually, no, go back to this fucking trip. I want to hear more. Anyway. Like, we've been trying to, like, cook this up for you. Trying to get schedules to line up for a fair yeah, while. Yeah, everyone's busy. We're all doing stuff. 
Um, yeah. Whether it's diving, fishing, you know, camping, doing other things, filming, obviously, hunting, all these sorts of things. But we finally got out this weekend, the three of us, and it's obviously your first proper sort of bow hunting trip. Bow hunt, yeah. Like I've hunted for a long time. Like I used to hunt, hunt pigs and stuff with dogs and, and things like that, but never proper bow hunted. Like I understand the concept of it, but the intricacies, not so much. Like the stalking and reading wind and animal behaviour and shit. Not yep. so much, which is really good. Like I was like a sponge the whole weekend, and like proper created a monster now. Like, yeah, no, it was great to see from my perspective, like two guys who are new to it, asking like heaps of questions and basically being sponges and just soaking everything up, um, and just taking what you already knew with other even like pastimes such as fishing and asking about certain things. Um, you know, like attributing things to like that are sort of unknown to what you actually know and then drawing like links was really cool. Yeah, well deer, deer to me are pretty new. Um, like, I, like I've never like probably experienced like deer to that level where they do a, like shit that's not comparable to anything. Yeah, they're very, especially chittle deer. Yeah. Um, like we mentioned a number of times on the trip is like they get hunted by tigers um, where they're from. Yeah, well, they originated in India, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they were obviously have their like ancestries evolved to evade tigers. And then you chuck them over here in Australia um, where it's stinking hot and there's plenty of them. Um, and you know, very open sort of woodland country, lots of birds and things that are trying to like bust your stalk or inquisitive and making alarm calls. And then we're out here trying to like get in close to within bow range. It just makes things very difficult. But it's a steep learning curve and like, I don't know, do, do you want to touch on your stalk? Cause like that was really cool. That was one of my highlights of the trip. That was actually really enjoyable. So like I was stalking animals, but with the camera and the long lens. And um, a tripod. Yeah, and the tripod crawling around. Fucking, um, no, you should touch on it. Cause it, you've got a broader understanding of it. You touch on it. Yeah, okay, well. Touch, touch on the whole, like, so, the whole thing. I don't think we really said... Touch on the, the, the spotting on the boy. Yeah. On your boy. Well, we were actually cruising and we'd seen deer earlier that morning um, having a drink and feeding on... So it's very dry up here in North Queensland at the moment. It's October, early October. Um, and normally over the winter period, we don't get much rainfall. It's been sort of abnormally pretty good, but it's still like the countryside's taking a bit of a, a hit with how dry it is um, a lot of the cows and things are trampling all the dry grass and just like any sort of areas where the water's receding around swamps and lagoons and creeks and whatever um, just act as like hot spots and I think we sort of like spoke about that and anyway Wade we were cruising going to one locate from one location to another and probably from 600 meters away just out of the corner of his eye Wade spotted just shapes basically and like he said it best, like once you sort of get your eye in, because we'd been watching Chittle earlier that morning, you sort of pick, just pick that shape as sort of like an abnormal, it helps when they're moving or if they're like in semi-open country, but it was still a pretty yeah. bloody remarkable spot. Like it was really good amongst rocks and other stuff. <laughs> but yeah. long story short, we sort of waited did that awesome spot and we were like, oh, well, one of my mottos is like, you're not really guaranteed anything with hunting. So we could have gone to the next spot and sort of hunted and seen something or most likely may not have just with bow hunting you're not always guaranteed things so i said well because it's just like a sort of introductory trip we may as well have a stalk like there's deer in front of us here we'll drive back do a big loop get the wind right and then approach in and i always get pretty uneasy because it's like 
sort of I was trying to contain excitement of oh yeah we've seen some deer but it's also like by the time we got back in I wasn't sure if we would find them again if they'd move off or whatever but yeah. they seemed pretty content on the water's edge there um, there was enough green pick um, on the edge and then they ended up going back and sort of betting on a bit of a basalt ridge but the topography was perfect like we had elevation to our advantage um, and snuck in sort of single file um, dodging a few roos and wallabies and whatnot and then finally sort of laid eyes on the deer again and they were just making their way up to bed that obviously had a drink and stuff and were pretty content it was quite hot sort of the middle of the day but we managed to get into probably about 100 and from there it was sort of like all right i was glassing in the front and just like the terrain like where like how we where we approached like what it looked like i can't even, i can't even explain it. it's like it so it's very like red sort of sandy red soil sandy ridges with like iron barks and eucalypts and little saplings and things um, on Big top and it's face, very sort yeah. of like open sort of almost like escarpment country you could yeah, call it yeah that's the good way but then it sort of dropped off and where it dropped off was all like an eroded sort of bank but it was just littered with like these big-ish sort of basalt sized basalt rocks um, and then if you go right down to the water's edge it sort of smooths out and there's like little bits of green for maybe 10 metres sort of around the whole edge of the, the swamp or lagoon whatever you want to call it but it's a big body of water probably the size of two footy fields really like it's quite substantial but very shallow um, but yeah we came in using like a lot of the tree canopy from down below in the sort of the little rim um, we were able to use the canopy and sort of remain undetected but then once we got to the top and started losing that elevation so we could see the deer from under the canopy it was a lot more like getting down low single file we were using like any sort of vertical big gum trees, um, any logs that were sort of splayed out on the ground to try and get in and like remain concealed. Um, and then we finally, yeah, sort of hit that 100 metres zone. Um, and we're doing pretty well. We hadn't had any issues with birds or anything. The deer were very content. The wind was weird. The wind, yeah, was because- Like real gusty, eh? Yeah, it, and generally up on the tops, it's more consistent. Um, but then as soon as you can kind of get in like any gullies or areas where there's like a lot of um, sort of variation in height like there was it, we're on a bit of a rim and water plays a part too I guess um, it was sort of shifting a bit and swirling but yeah. we were able to sort of like I was looking through the binoculars and just keeping eyes there was six deer in total there was a, a decent velvet stag probably around that high like mid to high 20 inch mark beautiful deer like still growing out and quite soft though um, and for those that don't know, so velvet is the period when uh, deer like grow back their antlers, so they shed them every year, and then it's like one of the fastest growing tissues where it's like super quick growing, lots of blood supply, and then that mineralizes and sort of crystallizes and forms into bone, which is their antlers. Um, and that process normally takes a couple of months, but this would have been towards the end of that stage where he had like prominent points, what are his called his brow tines. And his main beams were still quite soft, but like nevertheless, like a beautiful mature stag. And then there would have been probably three um, smaller male stags or male deer. Like there was one spiker and two little stags, and then two hinds. But we sort of just like kept head checks on, and there were some deer that we purposely blocked out with big gum trees, um, and others that were out in the open on the edge there. But we were just monitoring them when their heads were down and their tails were like relaxed and everything and they were, or they were chewing their cud and you know just looking off into the distance we'd move 
the second anything sort of put its head up or, you know, showed interest in, there were cattle around this lagoon too, so if anything moved and they sort of kicked up a bit of a fright, we'd just stop. Um, and slowly we sort of dissipated the ground and we're able to get into probably what was about 60 metres, I dare say. And the wind actually changed. And one of the little stags caught wind and sort of took off and covered probably about 100 metres, but didn't, it was weird. He, he took off, covered some ground and then stopped and didn't actually know where we were, but none of the other deer must have caught it. Um, and they sort of all just watched him and were like, oh, what's Joe Blow doing? That sort of happened and transpired for about five minutes where the hinds ended up going over to him and then that left three deer, which was the big stag, which we were sort of interested in videoing. And that was sort of when I was like, all right, this is cool. Both Ben and Wade were videoing and watching the deer at 60 metres. Like, I was sort of, I was the only one with binoculars, but I was passing them back and forth and the boys were able to see like little bits of behaviour and stuff. But I figured the best learning curve for Wade particularly would be, because he had the big lens, would be to just practice stalking by himself. Um, might be best for you to take over. But it was very like, un I didn't give you any sort of like, oh, go to that tree, do this, like, no, what I, I would it out. for other people. Yeah. yeah, it was just, it, I can't really explain it because I was like so. Started off with you getting bitten on the ass by a spider. <laughs> well, I don't know what it was. It yeah. like literally crawled five meters and then was getting chewed out by some critter. <laughs> and it was, my ass was burning, eh? Um, I can't really, it's hard for me to explain because I was like fully trying to concentrate. Yeah, you're like that, hyper-focused. Yeah. We use that word a lot, but yeah. it's, it's very because, true. Because like, you're like, you're trying to take into account wind, noise, um, like how you approach it as well um, without being seen and stuff. So basically I was like hands and knees crawling and I had the camera on the tripod and like was putting the, laying it down in front of me, crawling forward, picking it up, crawling forward, picking it up. And there was like a line of big Malaluca or eucalypt trees sort of all in a row. And then there was like a big pile of lay down timber and a couple of other shady trees and the deer were bedded sort of in amongst that. So, but there was like, that younger stag was like down towards the water, I can't explain, it's hard to explain without a picture, but like one side of a tree, I was, I was basically blocking myself with the tree and there was one stag that was down to the right of the tree and the other two were up to the left. And that's what the two that were like half scuffing and bluing and shit. Yeah, yeah. So I was like trying to balance with not going too far left or too far right to be seen, but still be able to see where the fuck the deer are. Yeah. And trying to like, like I listened to, was it that morning? where we were like, you were like reading them, so when they'd pop their head up or something, you'd just completely stop. So I was trying to like still be yeah, able to see Yeah, it's not worth that. sort nah. of trying to grab one or two meters when that's most likely, like their ability to pick out like the tiniest bit of movement or it's just ridiculous. Like it's uncanny. Yeah. Like they'll see you move your hand from your binos and what you'll see you raise your binos or put them down from 200 meters away if they've heard a bird above yeah. them in a tree, make an alarm call. Like they just, they become hyper-focused and they're looking for that abnormal sort of, especially any shine, like camera gear is just ridiculously hard to sort of get away with yeah. because it's, they're all big, bulky, noisy and shiny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like, yeah, like basically crawled my way in what, how much, like fucking took, it felt like it took forever. It would have taken, I reckon about 
15, 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, 15, yeah. 20. To get how far from where we were? Probably about 30, I dare say. Yeah. What did we say? You, we were at about 60 and 60, you closed 70. it to sort of like 40, 30, 40. or a bit less. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to tell because there was a lot of missing ground. Like it was, yeah. to be honest, I think we, Ben and I were talking in the background, sort of like spectating almost like what was unfolding and like we were discussing what you were doing, what trees look good, like what the deer are doing. Um, like we were sort of just using what you were doing as like a learning experience yeah um and like half of what we were just saying is like what you just painted the picture is like there were these big vertical trees that like in circumference were huge like they were a bit way thicker than like us our humans like yeah. width um and really tall but then you had a lot of vertical uh, sorry horizontal cover too like it was pretty pretty yeah, good like and shit. Yeah. yeah and then that undulating topography so like there were little like you'd go 10 meters on a high spot and then drop down like maybe a meter or two in elevation and you could kind of be in a dip it was it was really cool for stalking um but it also made it hard to sort of judge distance because i had no idea how far you were off them like it looked yeah. like you were right on like from where we were you would look like you were right on top of them but yeah, you could okay. have been a bit of space between you like it was yeah. but we sort of thought about 40 30 40 meters yeah, i reckon that would have been like accurate because like I had the 400 punch right in and I still sort of didn't get as close as I wanted to get. Yeah. But yeah, I basically got as close as I could. Then there was like, I was at the, basically the last tree and then the rest, the next bit of cover for me was like a lay, a big lay down log and then the deer pretty much. So like, I like basically set all the camera up and everything behind the tree, set myself up the tripod ready and everything like that. I was using it as a monopod and all I was to, had to do was like lean out slowly to one side to capture the deer on film and like as I did that my foot just slipped on the rock I was bracing myself on because I was on like a massive lean and it just made like the slightest little noise and then one of the stags just sat up I went back behind the tree and then they just took off but like oh, oh it was instantaneous yeah. like it's yeah. it's they definitely don't need like to go oh shit that that bush looked like it just moved i'm gonna stand there and look at it it's like at that distance they just assume that it's danger it's like for them it go back to that tiger it's like oh shit something just moved they'll prefer to bark and run and go 100 meters and then look back and that's yeah. when they might bark and bark and bark these ones didn't in the end it would have been cool i was saying to ben i hope when he gets spooked he bark, they bark at you um it would have been pretty cool Boo. yeah just hear that noise you got but, some pretty wicked shots of them like they weren't really going hard at it, fighting with those two, yeah, well, those I've couple of males. But they were like a couple of them. It was a cool little interaction. Stuff, yeah, so. the I younger don't... ones get cheeky. Like that dominant one was getting a bit agitated because there was a younger one with slightly harder antlers that kept poking him. Yeah, okay. And the big one obviously doesn't want to fight properly because his antlers are soft. He doesn't want to damage them. But I think he sort of half reared up like a stallion would kick yeah. off his front legs. Like fuck off. To say like, yeah, mate, piss off, like. Yeah. I'm not tolerating this just because, you know, I'm a bit sort of chill at the moment. Well, I got, I got proper close enough to see, like, like swirls on their chests yeah. of, like, the, the, their hair and, like, proper, like, definition in their spots and full antler-like definition because they've got, like, those darker brown veins that, not veins, but, like, crevice, like, mm. the textured, yeah, like I, like, I could sort of see all that. And I just thought it was a really, like, cool experience because, like, I was, like, very, very impressed after they spooked, like, I just thought that was fucking amazing. Oh, Proper when you came too. back, I was like, you should be proud, because, like, that's a great story. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed the whole process of it, too. Like, it, 
the whole slow because like I feel like a lot of people get turned off by bow hunting because like we would literally when we would walk like I was counting the steps somewhere between <laughs> 15 and 30 steps on average and then stop and, and that was more than normal because we're in very like open at yeah. the moment it's so dry that you can the grass isn't thick the deer aren't sort of hidden like if there's yeah. a deer standing you're going to see it from a couple hundred meters away quite easily um with binoculars like doing 180 sort of pants yeah but if they're bedded like yeah. it's spindly enough where you'll still see antlers quite easily at like 120 150 yep. um if not more like then nothing's really going to just pop up at 30 or 40 and surprise you like unless there's like depressions and things which sort yep. of brings us into those earlier deer yeah it did too, too actually yeah, um, another spot from your boy. Yeah, <laughs> killing it. <laughs> no, the first one was pretty cool too. The one with the broken antler. Like, was this the one where oh, we were really exposed like right at the start. and we had to just stay exactly where we were for? Like yeah, five that's minutes. the one that Wade spotted um, in that little depression. Depression. That's no, no, the one before. Oh, near the that, creek. Like right at the start of the morning. Yeah, the one that we had barely left the car. Like in the morning, we'd seen a few deer driving um, right on first light. Yeah. Um, I think we ended up flying the drone and getting some cool video just because we're in no rush. That's the thing about it. Like, oh, you mean the very, very first ones at first, like yeah. the first yeah. morning, yeah. Like the best thing about this trip was just that no one had any expectations. Yeah, no. Nah. As I, you would have seen, like I'm not desperate to just like, the freezer was like well and truly like yeah. healthy, if that makes sense. Like I'm not starving, none of you are starving. It was very much like just enjoy it, go with the flow, sort of chill out. Mercy. Yeah. Well, I um, I just found it like really wild how um, like go go to those the, the other the other stag that I spotted just with his head. Yeah. Um, I just like am super impressed with how like pigs are pretty deaf, pretty blind, have an unreal sense of smell. So like, you can work with that. You know what I mean? But deer have like really good sight really good hearing and really good smell yeah and like fucking athletic <laughs> proper athletic um chittle especially like there's certain deer species that you can hunt at times of the year where for example fallow deer with the rut red deer with the raw you they sort of like lose that 10 percent edge which might just be enough for you to like yeah. sort of get lucky in an instance like you've obviously got to be out there doing the hard yards hunting yeah. doing all these things but a buck might hear you break a stick in the rut, a fellow buck, for example, and go, oh, that's a female up there on that ridge. You know, I've heard, I've seen females up there before and come running in. Yeah. And you might capitalise off something like that. Whereas with Chittle, if you break a stick and often if they've heard a bird in the last five minutes and then you break a stick, it's like there's no, very little coming back from that. Like, and that's hundreds of metres away sometimes. It's, yeah. They're very unforgiving sort of creatures like it's it's very um i was like just super impressed with like they're like a perfect animal for like yeah yeah they look like they blend in so like they look like they belong there yeah like even pigs look like they don't belong as well like they stand out a little bit more and they're not as yeah those even when there are a handful of examples where I was being pointed to within a square 10 feet of where there were deer bedded up and still couldn't see them until yeah. I got on exactly the right eye line that you guys were on. And even like they were, they were not easy to see. So difficult, yeah. So yeah, they just look like they, they, they blend in so well that they just belong there. Yeah, we got to that stag 
and then you found the hinds and then like we sat there and we we're gonna like basically butt crawl in like a dog with an itchy ass pretty much <laughs> um, yeah it's not a bad little tactic when it's like where we were was totally exposed there was no, yeah, we were, no it was just open country where we seen meters. them was like full sun sitting on a big open fucking flat. we were skylined as well almost weren't we pretty yeah much. we were because we'd actually hunted for a fit so we saw a deer a stag very shortly after leaving the car probably within like a k yeah had a bit of a stalk on him the wind swirled and he ended up taking off and we sort of crossed a bit of a creek and headed to where because by that stage it was sort of mid-morning we had a bit of a slow approach and we were just sort of like doing a lot of talking about oh yeah like in this instance you know see that tree up there how it's slightly different um we're just going through Macca's drive to get some coffees yeah excuse us you're right just (laughs) it's staying in the podcast no absolutely (laughs) people need to know that we're caffeinated and heavily heavily caffeinated we haven't slept very much the last few Fuck, days. man. Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yes, actually. And I'm going to have to wait here. Hi, how are you going? Medium cappuccino extra shot. Can we please get a medium cappuccino extra shot? Yep, medium cappuccino extra shot. More milk Full cream. Uh, full cream, please. Yep, anything else that on today? Uh, yes. Can we please get a double shot flat white? What size? Regular. Double shot flat white for the white boy. Full cream. Yeah, the first one was cappuccino. Ah, uh, yeah. the first one was a cappuccino, yep. Medium. Um, and can I please get a large cappuccino double shot, please? Sorry, what was that one? Double shot large cappuccino. Yeah, large cappuccino with an extra shot. Yep, yeah, thank you. Ask if she wants to the podcast. Ah, uh, yeah, all full cream milk. Did you want to be on a podcast by any chance? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> she fucking full ghost. That's the you worst. Because now I'm literally being heard to chat to someone and get turned down. Yeah, she live. You, bud. It's staying in. You can see the cops turning. Hi, how are you going? Thank you. Just some card, please. Ah, uh, no, that's fine, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you got proper ghosted, bud. <laughs> thanks very much. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. She was a cutie, too. Oh, my. <laughs> Sounds like the brakes are good on this car, too, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Hi, how you going? Hi. Sure can, thank you. Perfect. Service with a smile. Where do we get to? Oh, I want to talk about that deer winding us. Yeah. So like those deer winding us. The ones that with the stag and the hind sitting in that little hollow. The butt crawl one. The yeah. butt crawl one. Yeah. So Wade did like an awesome spot. Oh, we, sorry, I'll continue on from shaping into it. Cause we'd, yeah, because I don't know. That had been building for a while. Like we had... That had been building for quite a while. We'd been moving, like, as you said, what, 15 to 30 steps. Just put my window up. Yeah. 15 to 30 steps. I'd glass. The boys would sort of be sitting there in the sun, looking around for any, like, peripheral movement, 
doing a really good job of like, oh, I think there might be ears over there. Oh, there's an odd shape over there. Check that out. And we're sort of working as a bit of a team because while I had a real narrow field of view doing 180 sort of pans, um, I was obviously missing any peripheral movement. Um, and through that, like we obviously didn't scare any deer because we were sort of ticking off quite a large distance and we're being fairly, like we were talking a fair bit. It wasn't quite serious, like, all right, boys, single file, jump in behind me, no one talk, like, you know, we're doing this, this, this. It was very much like, oh, I see that tree up there. Um, I'd expect them to be there, have a good glass of it. Okay, there's not really, we'll do a bit of a sweep. All right, we've checked out at 300 metres. We can take a few steps. Now we'll hit it again from a different angle slightly. And just sort of going about that for a couple of kilometres until we got to a space where I've consistently seen deer. Um, And we sort of changed our route from sort of in between two creeks to heading closer to one that was running on our left where I know there's a bit of a depression. And I think I was literally just saying like, oh, I might have said earlier, you know, they often bed here, like there's a bit of a depression, there's a bit more shade in some of those trees, whatever. And Wade did this ripper spot where he was slightly to my right, I think, yeah, and was. just basically put his arm out and just said stag. And we all sort of just froze because we were honestly in the middle of nowhere. Um, we'd just glass like a fair bit, like we are taking a few steps, we'd slowed right down, but there was heaps of missing ground. And I was sort of looking real close, like at about 50 metres where there was a bit of a washout looking for what I thought might be like a couple of inches of antler tip. Whereas Wade had picked this stag up past that just on the as this dip had started coming up to a bit of a rise. And honestly, it was in a bit of an airy-fairy sort of spot. It was like, a weird spot in the sun. Yeah, it basically. was all around them was direct sunlight and then maybe the size of like, what, a, a bit over a yoga mat yeah. sort of thing. Like it was tiny, just enough for one deer really under a tree. Um, this stag was just bedded, sort of quartering away, slightly broadside. Behind him, there was two or three hinds like curled real tight. And then behind them, another 10 metres to the left, there was another three, I think. Um, there were like eight deer in total. Um, but yeah, did you want to talk about your spot? It was pretty good. My spot was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> no binoculars, nothing, obviously. He just you, you were pretty adamant that you just saw an abnormal shape. I, like, yeah, I was just looking for it. Like, amongst the boulder field of basalt too. Like, it, yeah. was very, it was a great spot. I just was looking, yeah, I was just looking for shit that was out of place. Movement. Or shit that was out of place. Yeah. Was and he basi- still? He was dead still. Huh? He was dead still. Yeah. And I basically made out like, sort of hard to explain without showing him. We didn't really take a photo or anything. But like, I could see his head was discoloured from what he was sitting like Yeah, in he amongst. was in the shade almost and then he had his white throat patch. Yeah. So there was like this like detached, this detached silhouette that wasn't the same colour as what it should be attached to sort of thing. And where behind him was bright open green yeah. too, whereas so, he was just in the shade. On the like the yellow grass of his backdrop kind of gave him a bit of a silhouette. Yeah. So as soon as I saw it, looked and I focused on it, I could see a deer head and antlers. And then I was like, yeah, stag or stop or something, I think I said. Yeah, you literally said stag. <laughs> you didn't even say stop. Because before that, it was a bit tricky. Like I'd be a step or two in front of the boys and they might be talking about camera gear. Like, oh, how's your battery life going? Or did you see that bird or what bird noise is that? And I'd always stop because I'm like, James and I, my brother, when we hunt, it's very much like very quiet. And then if it's like like any noise, it's just like you just stop in your tracks because you don't know if that split second of you 
taking to stop is that deer that's like just lifted its head and is suddenly looking your direction. Yeah. So it's just like instinct where, and you're trying to listen to all their stuff. Yeah. Whereas the boys were having like little conversations, which was good because it meant they were like engaging in the environment around them and asking me questions. But I remember like for a lot of stuff, I was like, oh, that, have you guys seen a deer? Like trying to work out what you were saying. Whereas this was just like stag. Yeah. <laughs> it was very <laughs> no like, questions there was no about questions it. asked. It was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was wild. And then, yeah, you spotted the rest you of actually, the You followed it up with, it was stag and then, How's the spot on him? I was was leveraging off that all weekend. Like when you do a real good cast in fishing, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hit up that that little, you know, snag and then bang, you launch it on it. That deserves a a cast. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was was good. Like, I miss, because, like, I grew up in the bush and now that I'm coastal, I do a lot of, um, like, in the city a lot and shit like that and I don't, like the bush bush, like the actual outback, which is where it went. Like I haven't been there and like proper immersed myself in it for a long time. So it was just really nice and refreshing. And then to add like layers on top, like something like I've never experienced properly, like bow hunting. Like I've rifle hunted before and I've hunted with dogs, but it's not it's not as immersive, immersive? Immersive as like bow hunting where you like have a closer connection with everything that's going on. Like, like bird noises, like birds alarming, bird species that make alarm noises, wind. You cause like a lot of the things that go on around you too. Like yeah. if a bird reacts, it's often because it's seen you and then you have to like control how you, what happens to like calm it down. Yeah. Whereas I feel like a lot more with the ocean, you're sort of just like participating. It's like passive as happens, part of yeah. it. Like you're part of, you're almost more of. Not a spectator because you're obviously very active in that sort of stuff and reading things, yeah. but it's like, yeah, referencing. Like, are you referencing you don't have like the control. Fishing? Oh, just or like, even just like the tides and things. Yeah. You're often a lot more the mercy of they're like, going to happen. Yeah, and things like you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just found it really like it was really really good. I'm definitely going to buy a boat and get into it. Like I was like. Like I was saying before, like stalking, like most people, did she just drop my coffee? <laughs> she just did she actually? <laughs> did she? Oh, you just dropped a coffee. Fuck off. Is she scooping it <laughs> she up? She did. Oh, spit on it. <laughs> oh, no. Now we're going to... Ah, no, she threw it. Good girl. Yeah, fuck, I hope not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. That was... That she was, had a good attitude about it. No, that was the one that ghosted you, that pulled, like... Brick walled you too. She's not keen for a potty. She's not keen for a potty, bud. Um, but yeah, with that stag, we it was funny because some of these stalks, like the the one we spoke about earlier with the velvet stag that you had that lone stalk on. Yeah. We saw him at 600 odd metres. Yeah, long way. This one, when we actually first laid eyes on him, was like at 80. Yeah. With no cover in between at all, except yeah. for a bit of a depression, which is massive, like, because that's all that separated us was a bit of a, like, a rise. Yeah. Um, and, like, missing ground on his end. Yeah. But it felt like he was right there because there's no grass, there's no trees in between us. It was just, like, we were dead out in the open. Yeah. So, our move was to literally, everyone just froze. Yeah. I put the binos up and took account for all the deer and gradually was just like, all right, Wade, you're right to, like, slowly crouch down. And it's not like a crouch, like... Of just taking, sitting in a chair or something and getting yeah. down. It's it like, was literally like... Like a minute long yeah, slow squat this into process. kneeling into crouching yeah. into and sitting. Meanwhile, like you're trying to like cover as much of your camera gear and tripod and keep it close tucked in and, yeah. you know, hit the ground where you. it's just like... As if like, you know, when 
like the canopy sways or a tree like moves and it's very like fluid, that's happening all around us anyway because it was windy. You just want to blend into that and be like a very slow, gradual movement. Whereas if you had just ducked down, like I dare say, yeah. even though some of those deer had their eyes like half shut, chewing their cud, very relaxed, they just pick that movement up. Like it's, it's yeah, yeah. it's very um, noticeable. So you guys did well in the sense just to get down to the ground. I was then able to like join you all at the same time while like keeping eyes and just going, yep, that hinds, which is looking our direction, but with her eyes half shut, isn't actually alert. And you just read that with like, you know, their ear positions, if they're up and alert or if they're, you know, down to the side, sort of flopped over, if they're chewing their cud, if they stop chewing their cud, yeah. you're like, all right, the next step is their ears are probably going to prick up and focus on where they think there might be, you know, for instances like, oh, oh I sort of won't say it just because it might might have been what actually ended up happening, but um, <laughs> yeah, with, with like, I'll say it anyway. So The winding. Yeah, well, we yeah, weren't yeah, sure so if it we got winded or um, no. Well, in my <laughs> opinion, a stick, <laughs> a stick could have literally fallen yeah. out of a tree, and they ran off twenty meters. Because what happened was we all got down, we took our backpacks off, we hadn't moved for like maybe a minute. We we're sort of just talking about a quick little plan. We we're going to just crawl, basically, ass to the ground, bow like across our lap, if that makes sense, and then just like shuffle from like taking all our weight with our arms sort of behind our body, lifting forward, like moving your your, your butt forward basically half a metre if that and then sliding sort of thing. Yeah. The whole time I would have been with through the binos looking, the boys would have been behind me until we could actually get to like a vertical tree. Oh, coffee's coming. Coffee's coming. Howdy. Hi. The coffee? I saw that. We saw, yeah. You didn't put it back in the cup, did you? No, all good. Fresh coffee? Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. See you. Have See a good you. night. Have a good night. You're in a podcast. <laughs> That's you, friend dog. Thanks, mate. Um, Macca's coffee's actually all right, eh? Yeah, they go good. Go good. Go good. Go good, English. Um, I'm just going to get out of here and then I'll try and articulate yeah, what the hell is going on. Um, yeah, that was weird because, yeah, like you said, we hadn't moved. Oh, there, there was, was no, no there was, It was literally just heads together whispering what our plan was going to be and how to, um, yeah, how thing, to stay quiet while we're moving. The and main then, thing was like once we got down, there was literally no way they could see us just because of that lip that we are talking about, that, yeah. that bank. Um, so it was very like just as we were about to get going, we hadn't even popped up yet past where the deer initially were because we couldn't see them from once we were down. Yeah. About 30 metres past that, you noticed actually, Wade, that there were deer moving. Like they were sort of yeah. like had r- trotted off and their tails were up and stuff. They were obviously like alert. But it wasn't like a run, oh, shit, get out of there. It was just like a – It. I, in my opinion, I thought like maybe a roo had winded us further to our left because it was all hidden ground yeah. and we couldn't see it and it barged through them. Yeah. Um, which is a possibility. There might have been deer further to our left that we couldn't even see, that we never saw, that didn't bark, nothing happened, yep. but they ran off. And then these deer just thought, oh, shit, I don't know what's going on. I'll create distance from whatever's potentially a danger. So that's all we saw is that these deer that were now first at like, you know, 70, 80 yeah. and undisturbed sleeping then ended up being at probably like 100 to 110 
So they hadn't gone far, but they were then sort of in this state of like looking around. Everyone was looking around different directions, which also tells me what that. If in my opinion, if they had a wind at us initially, they would have just ran. Yeah. Because they normally or circled downwind, like a lead hind would have circled downwind, yep. which is sort of inevitably what happened. But yeah, normally, like just their behaviour told me that they sort of something had spooked them a little bit. Is the bottom of your mic just touching something, Rennie? Uh, I don't think so. Let's just shuffle the cord a bit. Someone, um, someone but they weren't quite the sure. How about that? That's much better. You good? Exactly yep. what was going on. Yeah. And then they sort of settled down again. We didn't move, obviously, and we were just watching them now in a spot where we could see them from our be- like sitting down position. Yeah. Um, and then sort of to let you know what happened is in about a minute or two went by and I just like felt a breeze on the back of our shirt, did a wind puffer and like in the space it took me to do that. The deer all just like took off. Like it had obviously carried yeah. that 110, 100 metres. And then they did a big arc basically from our left to our right around us, um, which is where the wind sort of ended up blowing back to and had been blowing all day. Yeah. Hit our wind properly and then just took off um, yeah. and was obviously like sort of like a non salvageable hunt. But it was a bit disappointing because I was really keen for you boys to like scoot on your butt for a bit. I was really keen to close. Get yeah, in. We, yeah, it was like good for filming. Like there was very yeah. little vegetation where if we'd have got to some cover, you could have liked, we could have just watched them. Yeah. On the top know. lip, like on the top lip of that, that rise that we were on, like there was timber there. We just had to get to it. Yeah, for sure. If yeah. we got there, like we were probably in what, how, what range? Oh, not far. Like max 40, I reckon. Yeah. But there still was a lot of missing ground um, just because the cover was that lip. There wasn't actually yeah. much vegetation except for it like one big tree. It would have been like tree. almost impossible to get within like. It would have been hard. They almost would have had to have stood up and fed towards us for the early afternoon. Yeah. But we'd have had to wait with a good wind and no swirling breeze for yeah. hours probably. Um, but you'd be surprised. Like it changes so much with that topography where it's like undulating. Where from where we looked, it looked like, oh, no, you can't get in. But then once you get over there and you're like, oh, no, there actually is a good line to this. Yep. And that hind's head is down or that hind might, which is initially in a really shit spot for stalking. In 20 minutes, the sun might start hitting her. She might get hot. The flies might annoy her. She might stand up, look around, in which case you've just stayed still the whole time, giving them no reason to sort of be disturbed. Yeah. She then goes and walks to the other side of the stag facing away, and it's perfect. Like, that's just opened up your stalk to get into 20 of the stag sort of thing, yep. who's now the closest to. Um, but that's all just, like, yeah, a long way down the track to sort of be able to, like, think about those things. Yeah. But I felt loud. And I felt really out of place. Like, I felt... No, you guys were good. Like, honestly, it's the driest part of the year now. Like, they haven't yeah. had rain since June, July. Um, so, it's it's dry. It's hot. Um, any, like, all the trees are starting to lose their leaves. Like, you know, it's hot when there's very little canopy left on a lot of the gums and stuff. They're, they're dropping all their leaves due to stress. Yeah. Um, so, it one, it means, like, there's less shade, which also means that the deer are going to get up and down and sort of move around a lot more, too. Yeah. Hopping, because hopping they're not shade. under like yeah big umbrella trees yep. but he did actually sorry I liked before we could actually sit down stand sit down the first time from when you spotted him he stood up and I'd sort of yeah, he confirmed like, like to stay still he's not he hasn't seen us nothing's going on this is like that moment where if you're at 20 meters from him you'd you be can. waiting with tension on the string like as soon as he turns broadside or scratches and as long as the hinds aren't looking this is when you'd be drawing back he, like this is what 
often when we're hunting bedded chittle like this, that's your moment that you've waited potentially hours for with the yeah. wind right to now shoot him because you don't often shoot these deer bedded. Um, and he was just stretching, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he literally just like, he faced dead towards us and like you could easily assume that he was looking at, like, at us, but he wasn't. He was looking like through our direction. Yeah. Did this big like sort of stiff neck like where he extended it out, put his back legs out and like sort of, you know, like scrunched up his skin and stuff. And it was pretty cool. Like did almost like a, a shake as if a dog yeah. would when they're wet. Like a big stretch. Stretched and then sort of reshuffled and yeah, same thing. Turned around like back towards one of the hinds and just changed his position slightly. So that was cool to see. Yeah. Because um, you, um, you pride yourself like um, on closing more distance like you back your stalk ability yeah for sure and then having like shots at shorter range yeah because we had that discussion about there's people that can shoot 40 50 60 oh there's no doubt there's bow hunters out there that that stalk you did on that velvet stag say he was a deer that you wanted to take or if your freezer was empty or for whatever reason you were like yeah i'm going to shoot one of these deer if i can get into range that's 100 percent range yeah. Um, for, for like a lot of people are very capable shots could shoot 40 metres do you know what I mean yeah um, for me personally I know where my skills lie and it's like I'm a very competent shot very ethical shot make sure my gear is always perfect like up to date tuned and whatnot. but for me it's like I, sh- I think I'll use this point for you boys is like for me 30 metres is like shooting a three pointer in yeah. basketball and then 20 metres is like doing a dunk it's like I'm yeah. not I'm not it's just even though the distance is a 10 meter increment, it's so much, so much more confident in my head just because over 10 meters at 20 to 30, you don't know if there's like a tiny little spindly bit of grass that you're just choosing to ignore that's in the flight path because you're so fixated on it. Like, yeah. And that also goes into that point where we're talking about with the stalking, you try and yep. just become calculated and analytical and it's almost exhausting. Like you did yeah. that stalk and it becomes exhausting afterwards you're wrecked because you're thinking about so many different alternatives oh if that deer goes to there um you know if that happens if this happens if they feed that way where's the next cover am i going to wait here am i going to use that you know big basalt ridge on the left um if he does stand and faces you know broadside perfectly and scratches with his head over his shoulder on the other side yeah is that hind going to catch me if i draw you're thinking about all these things it's very like demanding the biggest thing i could like that um, struck me was that it, it came across like you were playing chess but you're playing 10 people at once yeah, yeah. very much so that all Man, don't like you <laughs> I was fucking after that 15 minute stalk that we just spoke about before or whatever however long it was I was fucking wrecked like mentally like the physically it was reasonably physically draining but the, the mental strain and concentration constant concentration it's not like you can concentrate and then have a rest. It's yeah. like you have to constantly be on the ball. No, and sure. I only know like the very surface of what a stalk entails. Perfect, because what Man. you're saying, I was literally saying to Ben, as we were spectating behind you, like pretty much at the exact moment that it happened, I was like, he's done so well to get to 40 or whatever metres. Now the interesting thing will be, because your overall goal was to one, get close and see these deer up close, yeah. but two, to get ripper footage of them up close. Which you had it like, and that's a massive thing with videoing and for the purpose of like sharing these things, yeah. is like you get like a short win where you go from 60 to 50 to say, and you go, all right, I'm at a spot here where I'm not going to compromise the stalk if I get a little bit of video behind it from like yeah. moving slightly out of this tree. And again, it's not like just putting the camera out and extending the legs of a tripod or whatever. It's like, it might take you five minutes to set up 
the yeah. camera just slightly out of the way of the tree without spooking these deer so you can video for a minute or so and then put it, pull it back in and then close another 10 metres just to do that again. So to get footage incrementally closer is like such a difficult thing. And yeah. I think I was saying to Ben like, with the bow, it's not necessarily getting into 30 metres or 20 metres where you're in effective range. It's getting into that distance and then being able to draw the bow back on animals that pick up like you scrolling across the top of your binoculars just to focus at them from 100 can pick that out and then yeah. you're trying to draw back a bow at 20. It's yeah. like, sometimes yeah. it's a bit stupid. Literally, it like, takes you five full seconds to move your hand a foot. Like, oh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's insane. And like the noises and just like pulling an seen. arrow on the string quietly. And when do you put the arrow on the string? Like, they're all things that like you'll obviously get, like now that you've got the bug and it's bitten and stuff, like you'll begin to appreciate, even with like, you know, things when they're feeding towards you and stuff it's like oh do i put the arrow on now and which side of the tree do i stand there's so many factors into it which is why it's so addictive and it's very rarely like the same experience so you're always learning and you're always refining your sort of craft and like fortunately for me i've hunted chittle deer now and sort of done a bit of guiding and whatnot how long and 10 years i've been on this particular property for about 13 years i think yeah had access to it. In early days, I probably hunted more pigs more, but the, definitely I'd say I've hunted chittle deer with the bow for the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, like pretty religiously sort of, and definitely more so like now that I'm in Townsville um, for uni. Yeah. Um, and being able to sort of make the trip out west. But yeah, in all in all, it's just like very much like a process as to how I hunt these deer and like, obviously sharing with you guys like little aspects of it you can sort of piece together like parts of it too and what works for me might not work for you yeah um like i, I and i i agree with that 100 like the concept you need to understand the concept of things this is my opinion anyway yeah my opinion of anything in general like anything can like apply to the lot is you need to understand the concept of something like what you need to achieve and how you achieve it is completely up to interpretation. Like how you, how it, it makes sense to you, your body type, your mindset, your your, your education, anything. Like, um, which I think there's no right or wrong way. Yeah. To do like anything, I think if it works, it's correct, regardless of how ugly it is or how bad of an idea someone else thinks it is. Mm. Yeah. What I think works like particularly well for me is that over that time of like just observing Chittle, um, I very like much now know sort of like if Chittle deer or Chittle as a sort of like population can have like a bit of a routine as their day to day, I've somewhat sort of worked it out. Obviously there's gonna be variations yeah. depending on like wind, rain, temperature, um, you know, hunting pressure, moon phase, all these sorts of cycles and whatever. But I think very early on, I was like, oh, these deer, most likely, because it's quite hot, will feed early morning, late arvos, over throughout the night, because there was no moon. Um, so, sorry, could, there was like a little bit of moon. I was like, they might feed it at night a fair bit too, just because it's hot Yeah. during the day. Um, but I'm pretty certain come like 9, 10 o'clock in the morning a.m., that these deer will be looking for bedding areas and normally once they bed down they normally find their spot they'll sit there they'll probably do a pee a bit of poo 
you know, nibble around, start chewing their cud, just listening to all the birds, watching all the roos, are the roos relaxed? The roos often will come over and they'll be their little sentries and sort of surveillance on the edges of where these deer bed. And it's sort of like, they're just monitoring the situation. They're very relaxed. They're like, it's like you, if you've had a big feed and then you're like, oh yeah, it's sort of lunchtime, I might just go and sit on the couch for a bit. You sort of like, I don't know, might jump on your phone and sort of check that for a bit before you actually jump into bed and have a nap. But, if, but you're also hearing like what, what someone's doing in the kitchen. You're hearing yeah. all these things around you, like you're aware to it, but you're not like alert, alert. That's what these deer do. And then eventually after like generally 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it might be, Especially if it's like a lone deer, they might listen for a bit longer. Or if it's a lead hind, they often listen for a bit longer yeah. while the rest of the mob starts bedding down. But after that, it's really funny. Like James, my brother, and I have sort of like taken time on our like watches or phones, whatever. And it seems like for about 40 minutes, these deer seem to bed down for what we call their first bed of the morning. Yep. And then without doubt, I don't know if it's because between 10 or 9 or whatever and 11, like that period the sun must change angle a fair bit and what was shady quickly becomes quite warm and like not shady and you see them very quickly become like all right now i've got to move again and then even if it's 11 12 the sun's obviously a lot higher in the sky and it's more of like a vertical straight down 90 degree sort of angle it's 90 hey? that would be yeah, yeah. 90, yeah. um that's sort of like the, the sun then is more permanent for the next couple of hours and then we sort of say that their second bed after they've done that and they might chew their cud for a bit bed down in the same spot within like a couple of meters or they might go oh this spot where i bedded down for the first time is no good i'm going to move to that next thick patch of trees 100 meters away yeah um and there's in my opinion through experience there's no point in rushing in on them and being like oh i've got to get it done now because they're still alert, they're moving and all this sort of stuff. Whereas um, often if you just wait off them, they'll do that second bed and that's when you've got like a good two hour period yeah. to move in on them. So, yep. And you like, people don't understand the actual, you might be on a deer or a mob of deer all day. Yeah, for sure. Like the actual complexity of a stalk and like how long it actually takes to move fucking centimeters is insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Um, Oh, well, how long did we simply... We weren't even on deer, I don't think. Oh, we might have been on that young stag. Yeah. How long did we wait for those apostle birds? Yeah. And um, butcher... We had literally the deadly trio of... I think it was like a bower bird or something. Yeah. Butcher birds and apostle birds all above us in the trees, just like squawking and carrying on, making like their alarm calls. And we basically couldn't move an inch for, what, 15, 20 minutes or something? Yeah. Like, it was, we it just was had a while. Still. And, yeah, that's just part of it. Like, if we move then... The deer, no doubt, are sort of looking in that direction, going, all right, what are they sort of causing a fuss about? Yeah. Because obviously, when we're not there, it's they're doing it about wedge-tailed eagles. They're, yeah. The apostle birds are doing that about dingoes. They're doing that about other threats, potentially, to the deer. Yeah. Um, sometimes the apostle birds are just fighting, but the deer will always just check in on it. And then if they, they keep carrying on, and, for example, when we don't move and they're carrying on, the deer lose interest pretty quickly. But if you do move initially, it's just, yeah, it's a red flag. They're, they're gone sort of thing. And that's all it takes to... You mentioned before, Aiden, about um, something that I'm only just hearing about now, lead hinds. Are they like a... Is that a social thing amongst... They have like a one that's always on the lookout? Or is Generally, that just yeah. the one at the front of the group? It's more of like a mature hind that is sort of like, all right, I know this time of year where there's good watering points, where the grass is greener. It's like elephants where they've got like that matriarch and okay. got that hierarchy. Um, there seems to always be 
a hind or a select few hinds that sort of, if you watch her, she'll, when she gets up and moves to a new bedding area, like half the mob will just stand up and go and move with her. Often it might be like her daughter or fawn from the, the previous year and then she'll often have like a little one next to her because they're obviously pretty good breeders, chittle deer and stuff. Yep. But they sort of, yeah, like they take notice of certain individuals. Um, and if she goes, oh no, I'm hearing a lot of birds in that noise, like that area. I haven't seen anything. There's nothing like really striking me, but sometimes they'll just go and move 500 meters in the middle of the day. And you're like, that's not normal behavior, but they've just heard apostle birds for five minutes, basically dropping sticks on you in the tree canopy above, squawking at you and stuff. They haven't seen you move because you're staying dead still. She'll just get like an uneasy feeling and go and take the whole mob. And like, that's that lead, lead hind. And yeah. inevitably, Sometimes you're like, oh, I hope the stag's just that buggered from sort of like chasing females around throughout the evening and early morning and fighting on the stags. Or sometimes like they're bedded just off the mob and they don't notice. And like it's a really good thing because sometimes the lead hind will take 20 hinds with her, cover 500 metres and go and bed somewhere else. And that stag will stay with them. But quite often it doesn't work out perfectly like that. Um, and he'll be in a really good spot. You're close at like, you know, 100 metres or 80 metres or 60, about to do a stalk. And the whole mob will get up and sort of take off just because of that lead hind sort of not having a great feeling. But you're saying as well it can work to your advantage if she takes all those extra pairs of eyes out of the equation? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, but it's generally just like an older female um, that's sort of... In, this is all like speculative sort of thing. It seems to be like that older female. They often will like chase the other deer around if they get too close to her and her fawn, her healing and calf and stuff, her fawn, sorry. Um, but it's just like, I don't know, through watching them up close quite a lot and having heaps of footage, there's certain animals that there's definitely like a hierarchy. They'll get up like a, a stallion will too and literally kick at each other, the, the hinds, and sort of like run and chase and nip at their butts and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting. So, to, so you've got like bachelor mobs, obviously, which yep. I understand. You've got mobs of just hinds. Yep. And then you've got mobs with stags. Yep, and lone stags too. Yeah. Um, so bachelor mobs is basically what we call like a boys club where generally like for Chittledeer where we hunt Jan, Feb, March, April is sort of more the rut dependent on rain because um, that very seasonal like summer rainfall tends to bring in really lush green grass and that seems to be when most of the hinds come back into season in estrus and then that drives the most or abundant sort of stag activity. If you can imagine 300 deer in a certain sort of area all and 80 percent of the hinds are coming into season majority of the stags are going to want to be you know around at that point and then majority of the stags which are then excited and trying to fight and bid for hinds it just creates this like rushing atmosphere when there's not really like a set period like fallow deer like every april fallow deer rut like it is you know has to do with like the um people think it's temperature but I believe it's like um, being proved that it's like day length um, so what like photo period yeah okay photo period and just like shortening of the days um, so the it, shortening the days then has like a bit of like an offset temperatures generally like it's generally cooler do you know what I mean yeah um, linked well and so it's like linked and that's when people say oh this rut's been hot I think the deer are going to bed earlier it's like not really. The deer are probably just rutting and they're just probably not vocalising as much or they're doing it in other spots. And If you, you know. reckon it's that, like, um, 
consistent year to year. Oh, it's, it's as the in same like temperature variations going to be and stuff. Like temperature year to year is going to change a lot more than like every year is going to follow the same photo period pattern, whereas yeah. it'll differ temperature wise. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's where people say, oh, you know, this rut's been quiet for fallow deer because it was hotter than normal. But it's like they will rut regardless. It may just be that the actual phenotypical behaviour of them making noise is less obvious because the bucks aren't vocalising or something, which means you don't see them as much. Like, things like that might yeah. change, but the deer are no doubt breeding and coming into season and doing all that stuff. You're just not visualising it as much. Whereas chittle deer, samba deer seem to have... They do have peaks, but it seems to be based off, like, other factors. Like, it's not... For example, samba deer seem to rut in, like, September, October from, like, a lot of people's sort of experience. Um, chittle deer earlier in the year... So I sort of associate it more with like, I, for example, I notice like in certain parts of the property, as soon as we get good rain, I can nearly guarantee a week later they'll be in paddock X purely because the grass comes up really short, really lush, and that's where all the hinds go and all the stags will follow. And the rutting activity is just like crazy purely because of the number of deer, the more likelihood of females coming into estrus in that period if there's like a hundred hinds. Like, so it's just a combination of factors. Yep. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm sort of. Do you keep like a dot, like a log of these sort of like pieces of info, or do you just keep it? I always like screenshot weather and stuff before yep. trips. Um, if there's anything like blaringly obvious, like full moon, deer were bedding down. If deer were bedded down at sunrise, at sunset. Deer were bedding down at like 5 p.m. Feeding during the middle of the day that's sort of like abnormal because I don't normally do that and that's what they would do on a full moon quite obviously uh, quite often I've observed that where it's almost like when the moon's up at night they're feeding during the middle of the day they're feeding too Um, whereas normal typical chittle deer behaviour for majority of the year when it's not full moon is they'll feed in the morning have their activity in the morning bed down for majority of the hotter part of the day Obviously, like, some stags might find a fresh hind, be on her sort of things, but the majority of the activity is very, like, regimented almost. Um, so, yeah, like, there's certain things that if we've had... Ab- so this hunt particularly, actually, for a bit of background, it's been dry, the driest part of the year, and then the day before we got there, there was 10 mils of rain, which we sort of did a bit of hunting for pigs today, like, the second day um, of the trip moving sort of a little bit away from Chittle, we went to some of the lagoons, but that 10 mils of rain might have been enough where on some of those drier, otherwise drier ridges that have been dry for a month, they might be wet enough now that some of those, you know, areas where they couldn't quite crack the soil and get to certain bulbs or whatever, because of that 10 mils of rain is now accessible. So all the pigs might have left the swamps, which they previously might have been living on. So I haven't hunted this particular property for a little while. Normally, like, I'd scout a trip or be hunting sort of more regularly, but just with uni, I haven't been able to do that. But that's, like, a sort of consideration where I wouldn't take too much note of it, but it's, like, it may be a reason why the pigs were sort of sparse, if that makes sense. It's just 10 mils of rain could have pushed them, you know, could have changed their movements a little bit. Um, Same as if we had 100 mils of rain last week, the deer, where they've been for the last few months, would spread their like home range might be a few kilometer radius could be they could be anywhere on the property um as a result of just 
rain everywhere and now near Green Pit coming up a week later after after that rain, so... <coughs> Excuse me. Um, if that makes sense. Makes sense. I'm just fully, like, picturing shit in my head as you're talking. <laughs> I found it really interesting, the story you told about one of the clients um, you were guiding and you saw the same stag twice in a couple of day period but you ended up taking him 8 or 10 k's yeah it was 8 k's away 8 k's away from where you'd seen him the day before yep um so like just briefly I do a bit of guiding um on this particular property actually um what's your guiding company called for people's reference uh spotted safaris which is pretty fitting I thought just for these chittle deer have like beautiful spotted sort of coat um but yeah this particular hunt um, morning one he was quite adamant like he'd been on a chittle deer safari before and in his head he had the idea that he wanted to shoot a 30 inch stag which people sort of hear about it and it's like this mythical number it's like oh I want to crack the metre barra sort of mark I guess yeah. to put it into that perspective or I don't know it might be certain size for like you know that 35 40 yeah. kilo GT or whatever yeah. I'm not really like into it sort of thing yeah. numbers and whatever but for me, it's like if I see a mature stag and that's what I'm targeting, like is a, a mature animal, yeah, it's you know it very quickly just based off how they act in a group. One, their antlers, obviously, because that's like a phenotypical sort of measure of how mature, old, heavy, all these sort of things a deer is. Um, but yeah, anyway, this particular hunter had in his head that he wanted to shoot a 30-inch stag, which I assured him was definitely achievable. However... You know, you might see one a trip. Majority are about that 26-inch mark, mark, which is sort of what we've been seeing. We saw a couple yeah. over that, a couple under that. But, like, it's just population dynamics. You don't always have that many older stags. Yeah. Um, anyway, long story short, we've done a fair bit of walking and stuff in a likely sort of area. And after glassing, found a beautiful stag. And straight away, I was like, mate, this is a really nice stag his high 20s and then we sort of got in and we got into about 40 50 meters from this deer and he's like oh how big do you think it is and i said honestly mate like on the hoof there's so many factors like i usually with chittle deer if you can picture their ears change less than their body weight in general because one deer that's just come out of velvet might have 20 kilos more of just fat and muscle and packed on condition because all he's done is sit there and eat putting on condition to grow his antlers not yeah. fighting not moving around a lot he's literally on the greenest freshest feed whereas a stag that's just coming out of the back end of a rut or a stag that's been fighting for the last month trying to move heaps look for females which is what this particular stag was he might have lost you know a quarter of his body weight which is what deer do easily like they see that in the whitetail like in the rut for whitetail, fallow bucks would be very similar where they are so fat, they're fat as mud come, you know, um, sort of later in the year, earlier in the year when they start stripping out their velvet, they've been in corn, like fields and stuff for whitetail. Down here in Australia, they might be on crop country in like the Hunter Valley of New South Wales. Absolute tanks, really good body condition, getting ready to like just go and fight for a month straight where they barely eat and they're just running around chasing females. And then they lose all that body weight. So yeah. for me, it's very like, it's hard to sort of gauge antler length based on body size, but you can use their ears as a bit of a reference and they're normally about five to six inches. So if you see, you know, five to six antler lengths based on whatever measurement you use, it's yep. about 30 inches. 
which is what this guy was in my head. I said, oh, look, I think he's about 29, 30. Yeah. If I have to put a number on it, which I sort of dislike doing, but it's yeah. like, it is a good way of saying, showing them like, if there's a younger stag, it's like, okay, that's, he's about 20 inches, but you can see, you know, he's got no mass, his pedicles, which is the area where his antlers sort of attached to the coronet. His, sorry, the pedicles and coronet are virtually a very similar thing, just yep. a different term. But that's where his antlers attached to his skull. And it's yep. almost like a growth plate, like it's quite raised on young deer. Yep. Whereas an old stag, he doesn't have a coronet and pedicle left, basically. His antlers just join straight onto his skull. Yep. So they're very like low down, worn, they're that thicker, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, straight away, like with this particular stag, we knew that he was just like, I knew that he was an old deer. And in my, in my opinion, he was like a shooter basically every day of the week. And it was the first day of this trip. And I remember just saying to him like, look, there's no guarantees that we're gonna find this stag again. If we pass him, I understand you may not wanna shoot him because you're looking for a 30 inch stag. I was just trying to give him as much information as possible so that he could make a decision that he'd better like live with at the end of the day and not sort of be like, oh, you didn't tell me that we might not see him again or, or you didn't tell me it was 29th, potentially 30, like all these sort of things. And he was like a great fella. Like this was all, none of this is like, yeah, anyway. He was very like, it was very transparent, just conversation sort of yeah. thing, equipping ourselves with what was happening. And I like the fact that he was very honest, like, look, I'm setting my sights high. I'm happy to hunt all week and potentially go home without shooting anything, anything, but I want to shoot a 30 inch deer. Long story short, we passed up on this deer, walked out. He didn't disturb or anything like that. Like we got to a few hundred meters away, looked back, he was fine. The wind was all good. We ended up going back to the car and going to another spot. A couple of days go past. I think it was day two and then day three, we did a massive morning hunt. So a lot of these hunts for Chittle, it's like I'll have an idea of what I want to hunt in my head. And then depending on the comp conditions is how fast we'll walk it. So sometimes we would have walked maybe two to three K on morning one this trip. Yeah. And done that in about four or five hours probably. Yep. Whereas there's other times it's like, all right, it's so sort of dead. There's no rubs, nothing. We might walk 5k in two hours just because the condition like you can, you can see a lot faster, further yeah. there's not much sign like if there's deer they'll be under that tree otherwise they're not here sort of thing you can it's just you know reading the situation a little bit yeah we did a massive hunt with this particular person on day three where it was miles away too it was it was eight kilometers away in the end from where we'd seen that stag on morning one Yep. Hunted around a big lagoon, the wind was great, so we just kept hunting, kept seeing deer. I don't know how many deer we saw, but there was like lots of young stags. And again, he held his nerve and coming towards the end of a four day trip, he was like, nah, I'm not confident. I'm not I'm not content shooting that deer. Like he's yep. younger than what I've seen. But in his head, I think I could see him starting to realize like, shit, maybe I should have taken that deer on day one. Like he's marvelous. And because we, I obviously videoed it. We looked at it on a laptop and he's like far out, like he, is really good isn't he like maybe I should and you could see doubt sort of starting to creep in and we were literally having the conversation on day three hey what do you reckon we finish this hunt off and maybe go and look for that stag back at that spot eight kilometers away I was like yep no worries we'll just go and check out this bedding area on top of this ridge here and like I had no idea I had no idea like it was gonna happen obviously but we spot this good stag and when we spotted him we were like 150 off and I just without even looking through the binos I was like mate I, 
don't want to like sound stupid but I think that's that stag from day one and he goes what do you mean how can you tell like no way it's ages away and I said just see how this particular stag was quite quite heavy like really heavy you could tell he was old like his skull and antlers were basically like fused right down the bottom like his antlers just hit his skull and yep. straight away um, very skinny deer like very poor condition like just old um, was by himself both times like just a behaviour like he had obviously rutted a fair bit to getting on a bit in the season and was just like nah, oh, on a nice quiet spot yep. sort of thing but at the same time like happy to move around probably like looking for, for girls if he could find any that weren't with other stags like he was a lot smaller than other deer body wise yep um, but then up where his main beam came off and sprouted from his inner he was really really like uncanny sort of thick um, and just showing him like through a spotting scope and comparing that to a screenshot that I took off the laptop he's like holy shit that is him yeah and he's like nah we're like yep this is I've learned my sort of you know humble pie Yep. Don't care about 30 inches, 29. He could go 33. I don't even care. We've worked hard. He's a mature stag. He's the best we've seen all trip. Yep. And anyway, long story short, we ended up sneaking in, got to about 50 metres, and he, he managed to take him with the rifle and was so content and so happy. Like, and, and what I loved is that he... It was sort of similar to what I was saying to you boys about having a bit of history with the stag and not yeah. always sort of seeing or shooting the first deer that you see and like I'm very fortunate with that because I live up here whereas obviously if someone's getting a guided hunt and yeah. going back to Victoria or New money, South Wales yeah. if they see it, it's like you don't pass up on something that you'd shoot on the last day if you see it on the first day yeah um, I like that saying a lot <laughs> yeah it's very like you've got to make that call and be be happy with it at the end of the day yeah. don't pass up on a deer and you're up here for a reason yeah. like for them not. and he was obviously happy to go home without like when he passed up on it the first day but there does come a point where you're like hey I've worked bloody hard like it was 45 degrees every day that trip Um, and for him he was like nah this is 100% you know like what I've come up here for and yeah that was probably one of the best guided hunts I reckon I've done with him because he was just super content we'd passed up on it to then just randomly find it I remember looking at the GPS and it was like 8.6 k's away or something in a straight line so he's obviously generally they sort of travel in the like creekways and like any sort of gullies and things that interconnect between lagoons and they're rarely like on the top of like the escarpment country they'll bed on it the path of least resistance yeah kind of thing. generally like it's like where water moves they'll sort of follow I guess um, and then yeah so he's obviously done a lot more than 8 k's over that day period yeah. um, but yeah, they definitely obviously have big home ranges, especially when they're moving around and stuff. Big so stags. Very lucky to sort of refine him, but I was pretty stoked. Don't pass up a deer on the first day that you would shoot on the last or something, isn't it? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If you're happy to shoot on the last day, you should be happy to shoot on the first day. Man, we got a lot of good content. Oh, I love going with like creative people and people that are savvy with cameras and shit. It's very all three like three of us are. It's fucking so fun. But all of it was very like authentic, sort of like just as it almost because everyone basically had. I it was refreshing not having a camera personally, but there were moments where I would grab your camera that you'd sort of left on the ground and take photos of you boys, and it was just like yeah, yeah very yeah. very like. Even Very shit like fun. we didn't really come out with a plan of content we wanted to shoot. We sort of just said to you, Aiden, like run it as a like 
you, know, you take the wheel and, and um, make this weekend how you would any other time and we're just going to capture it along the way. I just I treated think. it like a fishing film because it's very similar to the range of shots that you need. Yeah. And then everything else on top is just like you always shoot golden hour, like low light in the morning, low light in the afternoon. It's just a given that you just get whatever you can. And then I just keep like, I just stay really aware the whole day, like of like shot opportunities, yeah. shot that's, shots that you haven't got that could work. Um, when the lighting works and when the composition could work and when certain like features are in a landscape and things like that. Yeah. Or opportunities with wildlife and things like that. Even like um, just cruising along and those horses came over and I ended up being able to just like pat one of them and ready capture them. I think that, that was probably like... That was fucking... I, that's, I reckon that was my favourite photo I took yeah. the whole weekend. Bro, you didn't know the camera was out until Rennie was like, oh, I just got a, got a really cool photo of you with that horse. You were yeah. actually just having interaction with like a wild animal. Yeah. Well, not wild, but... Yeah, basically un untamed, like off the cuff. Yeah, you know, it took some winning over too. Like it was like half off. Yeah, he like basically trying to double barry you on the way out. Like yeah. Kicking and snorting and stuff. Yeah. Um, and we covered like a lot of different... Um, like settings as well. But That's what the, I wanted to sort of show like you. Like the real is... rustic hut that we camped at to a bunch of different hunting spots from the lagoons to the like the basalt Rogan wall Josh that we, Curry you that took us to. You need, you need yeah. A bunch feeds. of different cook-ups. Yeah. And then oh, the, the bird trough in the Sabo was pretty weird. That bird trough was fun. Yeah, that was... And I'm not a fan. There. Like, I, I like, like wildlife and I like birds and all that stuff, but I'm not a... Bird, bird photographer nerd. or videographer of any means like just shoot enough of them and then move on yeah but that today was wicked like you tell it you know the spot like oh it's just we built was, a blind and yeah, yeah. full hide and everything it's yeah. um like further to the point like very arid sort of country um water points are very much like precious sort of commodity um we we're back at camp packing up sort of around lunchtime just so that that way we'll mobile like swags packed and everything all the gear sorted so that we could sort of go for a hunt till dark and then shoot off home because um, we've all got things on for this week coming up but when we're doing that we sort of noticed that one of the water troughs just near the house there at the camp yard there was getting smashed by all these birds and sort of I'd mentioned that there was a nice little spot in a real remote area where there wouldn't be much water elsewhere where I've sat there before and like had wedge-tailed eagles, for example, come down and sort of drink from a water trough. Um, wild dogs, pigs, cattle obviously come in, that's what the troughs are there for. Um, a variety of like different parrots and honey eaters and you get kingfishes and pigeons and doves and everything. Like all any bird you can sort of think of that lives out there relies on these water sources. And I just figured it might be a nice way to sort of recap, uh, sorry, cap off the trip. And you know, we could just sit there. We ended up having a beer, which was great because it was yeah. sort of like refreshing um, in that sense. Like it was just, you know, so many a little birds. and like literally lousy jacks and like parrots and shit. Like, yeah. Oh, and all you could literally stick your arm out. Like if we you... set up a blind and it was bloody perfect. It yeah. was on this rail that sort of was running out to the trough, and we would have been yeah maximum from the furthest point of the trough, probably 12 meters, the closest point a meter. And the rails that the birds were using were like we were leaning really on. Touch so them, yeah. yeah, there were different pale-headed rosellas and things landing on the shrubs that we'd put above our head. Yeah, yeah. Um, crimson wings. It was pretty gnarly, like a very cool heads. experience. 
I was glad that you guys liked it because I could sit there and do that every day. Yeah, you like forever. It's like that's my element. I he love uses that like sort the, of stuff. The deer hunting and shit as like a cover. <laughs> yeah, it's like a video fucking bird. Oh, hey. oh, any Nick Morton mocks me a little bit. One of my good mates, um, Nicholas Morton. We hunt very hard together, like what we call hard in the sense that we're up early hours before daylight, get to a spot we need to get to, hunt all day. Very like motivated sort of individuals. But I'm always like very much like if I see a bird or something like a wombat or what, it could be anything like water glistening off a leaf. I'm, I sit there and try and like appreciate it just because it's something that is different. I'm not guaranteed to see it ever again. Yeah. Or a kingfisher swoop down into a creek and eat a fish. For me, it's like that's made my day. I don't care what happens after that. I would rather, same thing, same principle about, I'd rather watch that for a minute and miss potentially seeing a boar down the line because I'm a minute out of schedule sort of thing if there is one. Yeah. But appreciate that moment. And Nick takes the piss out of me a little bit and says, oh, always appreciate the little things. Always appreciate the little things is like our motto now. Uh, But he's slowly come around to it because he hunted with me up here for Chittle. I sort of like helped guide him as like a bit of a mate hunt. And just before he shot his stag, we had a horrendous week. The wind was terrible. We hadn't seen heaps of deer. Like, we we were sort of seeing deer but no mature stags. Um, a lot of them that were mature were all broken. It was after the rut. And then one day I said, let's just slow down. You're buggered. Like, I can sort of do this all day because I'm used to it. But the heat was, like, hitting him. He was not used to glassing all day because it's a very different style to hunting, like, mountain boars back in New South Wales. I just said, let's just sit down. And we sat down and had, like, hydrolite or whatever it was. Had some, like you know, biscuits, a sandwich, can't remember exactly what it was, but this little knobby sort of dragon, like a little lizard almost, but a, a dragon, yeah, came up and just perched on the termite mound, like, at our feet. Yeah. And I was like, dude, how cool is this? And he's like, it's whatever, it's cool, it's a little dragon. Anyway, I said, mate, catch that grasshopper that's right next to you and throw it to him. I said, it'll, it'll please the gods, is like, the shit that we were just talking because yeah. we're delirious. Anyway, we catch this little grasshopper, throw it to him, the lizard smashes it. I take a few photos. I'm like, mate, that's a good omen. Like, that's we've just done our good deed for the day. Fast forward, like, two hours and Nick shoots a beautiful chittle stag, caps off, like, five days of hunting. Happiest yeah. day of his life, that's pretty much. Best you ever. After that, it was just like, see, like, you don't always have to go 100 miles an hour. Like, and now it's just like... He still takes the piss out of me for when we were in New Zealand and I found this, like, shell duck or whatever it was called, like some New Zealand native bird. And I'd never seen one. Like, we've obviously got ducks and geese and things here in Australia. But this bird was just new to me, so I sat there and videoed it for probably 15, 20 minutes, which is excessive, I get it, when you've got places to be and animals to hunt and, you know, like, hikes to do, tents to set up in the rain. But I was just, like, fascinated by it and, like... Yeah, same thing. He's like, you literally sat there and for half of our New Zealand trip filmed a duck. (laughs) He'll exaggerate about it and stuff. But now we're like, we just get that to it. Like, we understand what... I understand how he hunts, he understands how I hunt. But we both sort of really, like, appreciate a lot of these. Like, literally, they are little things. Like, a bird coming in and just sitting there and drinking what it's been craving doing all day and like seeing how the rosellas interact with like the apostle birds and then a galah yeah. will come and land in and it's just like it'll bath and then you know a crow will land in the tree above you all this stuff in the trough this afternoon was just like man it was interactive concentrated it was like it's stuff that you could walk all day and be like oh that's a beautiful parrot but for this last like hour and a half of light 
It just turned it on. Like, and the lighting was beautiful. Oh, every, like, because, like, you imagine bird feathers as, like, semi They're, like, like iridescent. Yeah, semi-fluffy. Like, like yeah. they catch, the outside edge of them catches the light really well. So you get, like, they get, like, a fucking glowing orange bokeh it's around. It's like an aura. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, it was hot ass. You sound like such a bird nerd. I, I am now. <laughs> I'm a fucking... Yeah. Nah, no, it's a beautiful yeah. spot. It's, and it's so cool because it's, like, dry and you literally, like, without, you know, overcomplicating, it's dry and shit country all around it. Yeah. Like, there's very little ground cover. The trees are all sort of, like, dying. Not dying, but losing their leaves. Like, it's harsh country. And then this yeah. tiny little bit of man-made water trough with a windmill at it. Little oasis. Is yeah. what birds are flocking from hundreds of, you know, metres around, yeah. if not, like... Tens of kilometers. Yeah. And like, how good was we just were like, wait, do not move, do not talk. I'm just gonna literally hit record on the camera with the audio and just like, yeah, listen to like this bird sound. It was just Rosellas, everything going crazy around you. Like, it was very refreshing. But it took me a few guys to realize what we were actually trying to yeah. achieve there. I kept, so I kept starting to whisper and get my head <laughs> really got, really got shut the fuck up like, like three oh, times. What's yeah. There's no birds there. <laughs> um, but no, it was really I've cool. yeah, I've last like handful of years, like especially now that I'm like filming and stuff, I've really learned to slow down, um, and for the better, like you appreciate so much more, and like I can still turn it up. Like, oh, absolutely. If I need to put in put in the hard yards, I'll do that. No dramas at all. But there's like a time and a place. Yeah. And then there's opportunities to like fully slow down. Like the slow down opportunities are way more valuable than. The going hard opportunities at that exact time. Yeah. So like, yeah, just stopping and down, and like have like when there is downtime. Yeah, you might. That dude's broken down as fuck. Um, yeah, you might like. You might sit under a tree and have a nap. Yeah, like <laughs> every tree. <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> what's I gonna say? Oh, like you might miss one opportunity or. But you don't know, like that's nah, it's all. my point is you might think that oh I have to be there, but do you really like But then then like you might miss you might miss that opportunity, you might not. But and you might go home without. But you might go hard as fuck and then go without. Yeah. And then have nothing or minimal memories of that yeah, exactly. that trip. Whereas if you do have that downtime or It depends it, what your values are yeah. too. Like for like me it's like I hunt with a bow and arrow. Because, like, I want to be a participant of nature and what I... Like, it's, it stems from how I grew up, like, with my dad. I, from the age of four, was hunting with him. And then by the time I was, like, five five or six, I was like, Dad, give me a camera. Do you have a camera? Like, I remember taking photos with a shitty little, like, Kodak thing yeah. that you used to put film into and point and shoot, no zoom, nothing, like, 35mm yeah. sort of thing. And then that transcended into, Dad, do you have a camera? Like, I want a video camera. I want to video you with shitty film cassettes. And, like, I haven't even looked at the footage because it just would have been terrible. Man, but shit will be the best footage oh, you ever edit. We've got it all. It's in the archives, but yeah. it's just like stuff that it was. I got so used to just like being around wildlife that that's literally from the time I was four to twelve. I never had yeah. a bow or anything. I just observed my dad stalk, stalking in, and he's very similar. Where like he would get in and see like, all right, cool. There's a mob of like deer here, a chittle deer, hinds. I'm just going to sit off them at 30 metres and watch them. Do you know how now, like, like back then, when you're a kid, you don't realise how immersed you are, and you're like, 
the whole purpose of this, what we're doing right now, is to kill or like to, to hunt deer. Yeah. Whereas you sit back now and you're like, fuck back then, man. I was like balls deep in that shit. Yeah. And didn't even realize. Oh, it's, it's, and it's crazy. Like how much you are rubbed today. off too. Yeah. Man. Oh, like, I give my like parents obviously heaps of credit with how my brother and I were sort of like raised and whatever. Yeah, mine too. But definitely dad in particular with the hunting because he could have gone, oh yeah, here's a bow at six. Let's start, you know, yep, let's go and shoot a pig and whatever, like, yeah. start off with stuff like that. But he was like, nah, you may as well, you're never going to like, like, do it, like, learn and do it properly, learn how to stalk these animals, learn about them, learn what they're doing to the environment, learn how they interact with other animals, like, all this sort of stuff. And now it's just like, carried through perfectly into how I'm happy to, like, as I said, if I see a snake out on a day hunt and I'm like it's chasing frogs and trying to catch frogs or whatever I'm like that's awesome if I see a wild dog chasing kangaroos I'm like day made it's like I think we spoke about your first podcast about buffalo and how wild dogs chasing the calf we were just like mate that's a trip mate how many people get to see that like that's nature at its finest like that's you know especially when you can get close yeah and see deer and animals and native animals and whatever it is when you just interacting sit, it's like, just naturally it's like it's yeah. so well, I felt really good with the, the back of the bird stuff is just sitting in that blind um, and just sitting still yeah and then like when everything finally settles down and everything just lands and you're not moving they just it's like you're not even there like they know you're not even like they don't realise you're there and they're just operating fully naturally they're not like alert at all and you're like fully immersed like six foot away yeah like in how they operate naturally without us because like we must be so we're so out of touch oh absolutely with nature yeah like we've evolved so far beyond it that it's like we're fully like this other thing that you could never ever fit in again well that's like for me when I'm hunting it's like yeah the hunt and kill like people think hunters are killers and like you know I'm sure some are like in the sense that if they don't kill something, they've had a shit weekend. But for, for me, it's yeah. like I didn't even draw back my bow. Oh, I did at a target, obviously, to make sure everything was dialed in. Yeah. You always had a few shots. We went through that sort of thing, like, yeah, just to give you a taste of sort of what it's like to shoot a bow and stuff. But, you know, it wasn't even like, oh, yeah, let's go and find something so we can, like, stalk it. Like, you know, we easily could have gone and tried to stalk some of those hinds. But it was like, no, let's just wait. You go and try and stalk and see how close you can get to those deer. Because next, like, that's... Literally what's happened is like, I'm coming out next time and I'm going to get closer to a stag and, you know, get that shot that I envisioned in my head, like of him just filling the frame and I can see his spots crystal clear. Like, yeah. that's the sort of shit that I love is like constantly learning, constantly bettering yourself, constantly getting closer and like observing these animals in their natural habit and, and not being like, oh, we've got to get past these hinds to go and find that deer to shoot it. It's like, we're out here to just chill and be part of it like yeah. get away from every other day life like because the more you sort of think there has to be an end result it's like you set yourself up sounds like work to me it's do, like yeah. almost yeah without taking away like I obviously love hunting and want to get to the point where like I can shoot an animal for meat or shoot that big mature stag sort of thing but it's like there's no rush to get there if it happens it happens if not you know, Doesn't enjoy matter, it for yeah. what it's worth. That's what we said. It's, this is a glorified camping weekend. Yeah. We're literally, we know we're going to have a great meal if we on a Saturday we night. If we don't, we don't. 
the other thing is it's just how long have we built towards this it's been six months since we, since we spoke about it man we're finally teeing it up let's just like you know I'm having a shit time with uni this is the first time I can get out we'd, te- we'd nearly toyed with going out to the reef like that's how close it was to not having this yeah which would have been yeah, awesome yeah, regardless two days out, we were like oh this weather is your window mine no, no, but oh, no you're just not talking. I'm still here. No, yeah, you're just not talking. Ben Rennie, ladies and gentlemen. Dozed off. <laughs> Sleepy boy. Yeah, we almost were packing the boat, ready to send. And then, Which no um, doubt would have been amazing yeah, as well. Fun. Like, it's just we would have made it. That's, I, I feel it wouldn't like have been a full weekend. We would have burnt out on a one day. Yeah. yeah. I think part of it is, like, our attitudes to... And we had car troubles, obviously, oh, which we oh, touched oh, on a little yeah, bit. But, did. like... Fuck you, James. There was a <laughs> there was a moment there where we were like, ah, oh, shit. We've just driven all this way out here. We're like 30 k's away from where we're going to camp, and the car's playing up. Should we camp here overnight and try and get help and go back? We end up sorting it, doing a bit of mechanic work with Wade, having a little mechanic tutorial workshop for Ben, Rennie, and I, who are useless. Like oh, this car. And that's another thing, though. <laughs> Which is driving like a dream currently. Thanks. Yeah. Shout out um, to the car. With one ball tyre. Yeah. With the camera showing. Yeah, if you guys hear a loud crash, it's us. It's us on a blowout. Traffic. And ended up on our heads. But nah, um, even that, like, a lot of people, like, bad shit happens, right? To find the trip, sort of thing. Yeah, but people let it define the trip. Mm. And people get, like, what good is it going to do you? Panicking? Or even getting mad and what carrying What did we say about. when it happened? We were literally sitting on the side of the dirt road. Laughing. And we were like, ah, this is going to be Oh, a well, we're sleeping there. Yeah, that looks like a good spot. Yeah. yeah. Ben, you just moved that little bit of cow shit. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a lawn. Yeah. I swear oh, you said, um, so like, you were like, you know, boys, I know there's some um, there's some ground within a couple of k's that we can yeah. hike to in the morning if we have to camp here. And we'll yeah. go and scope that out. And that's literally. the difference. That's the difference between, like, truly living and, like, being in the like, like, who gives a fuck? Yeah, we're sit like there's we're we're away from like you told old mate that pulled up. You said we've got camping gear, we've got nest yeah. full of food. We're sweet. Yeah, we're good it for a couple days. It comes back to like I don't know. It sounds like we have no expectations, which is yeah. we, I don't like when I go hunting. I have no expectations because nature is like so finicky. Where how's these lights on these Man, fellas? What, like a, what is it? What is it with people? Like yeah. everyone, everyone, every now and then, like leaves their high beam not too long. But like this motherfucker, every single car man is like, t- they turn them on for like, they wait for five seconds before they turn them off. Every Door. single car we passed on this road tonight, it's weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> rant over. Yeah, rant over. I've got rant about something on every podcast. We showed him. Um, <laughs> but but like, it's like, I was gonna say, I go into a hunt with like no expectations, but it's purely because I know that. I'm going to hunt as hard as I can and then whatever happens, happens. And it's just like, I can only control my attitude. I can only control... Correct. But when I wake up, that it's early, that I, you know, go to bed late and enjoy... Not late, but like, you know, fully, like, absorb everything that I physically can out of the experience. Yeah, so like... And whatever I get presented to me, it's like, you just appreciate it, like... You're not you're not in control, man, of no. what happens. Like you can you can you can try and control the variables as best you can. Like technically, like a little bit of car maintenance. Yeah. But <laughs> no, hundred percent. Like your gear is dialed in before you get there. Yeah. So yeah, that you've done your you know, Sometimes shit just happens. Yeah. But what are you gonna do? Like okay, we we all get the shits, and then we just 
mope around for two days and then go home. Yes. That's two days of our life that we're closer to death. Literally, like, oh, it's, it's 100%. Like, I would have been better off saying, wasted. nah, I have to study this weekend, boys. You know, yeah. get but that even done that, and then free yourself up later. Like, it's even like that's being better than a negative That's attitude, what I'm saying. Though. It's being productive. Yeah. It's reality is, nah, at some point I've got to study. If you're going to have a shit attitude and sort of, you know, you need to go out to these places and be like, nah, I'm going to make the most of it regardless of what, obviously, if it's not safe conditions-wise, like, say, for yeah. diving, it's shit. you got to be safe first. Um, and if that means like you know your car's playing up and you go into a remote spot, there's no point continuing going out if you, your car's bugged, bugged. Turn around, get safe, go find safety, find help, sort of thing. Like, like we had a, we had a plan B, yeah, C. Well, we like could, we could lit a fire, played some music, yeah. cooked some food, had some beers. It's more told like, some stories and gone for a walk the next morning, and we still would have had just as much fun. And yeah, I would remember like fucking thirty years from now, I still remember that night. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, like. Yeah. You can, it can be a fond memory or it can be wasted time. Yeah. And I'm very big on not wasting any fucking time. No, life's too short. Man, the sobering fact is like, you're gonna fucking die and people refuse to accept or refuse to even like think about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know, I'm shit, I'm shit scared of not, I'm not scared of dying yet, I don't think, but like I'm scared of not doing enough. I'm scared of living a life where you're like, oh, no, I'll, you know. Like, I and it's weird because I say, like, you know, I want to live a life where I'm fully into the moment right now, but uni, you physically can't do that. You actually, I can't be like, nah, fuck it. I'm going, I've got an exam next week, but I'm going hunting, which is what I'm doing this weekend. I've got an exam <laughs> Wednesday, hunted all weekend, but I've got it's Monday to balance, study. Man. All that sort of stuff. I've done the work beforehand, late nights last week to prepare myself to go like, nah, I've justified two days off. It's more like, I don't know, you can't, I don't want to be that guy that goes, no, 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 I'm going to work, 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 and then when I'm retired, I'll do what I want to do. It's like, fuck that shit, do it right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. works, you don't live to work, you work to live, Amen. and then, you know, support yourself and do these things that you love doing. Yeah. I got real deep there, but. Oh, this podcast always goes I wanted to ask. Oh, but I, yeah, you go first. Oh, no, let Did me, you let me round it out. Yeah. I just want to, like, I always try and go semi-deep because I want to try like I'm not saying I'm a fucking what do you call Philosophy. it motivational speaker or I'm even correct in what the shit I'm saying I just know it's working for me and if someone if one person out of the fucking two people that listen to this podcast <laughs> yeah. like the, the handful of like the, the shout people out to that, Ben's mum and dad yes <laughs> what's her name Michelle and Peter Michelle and Peter P. Rizzle if you guys listen to this hope you find motivation we love you no swearing from you breed us. you breed good children <laughs> anyway so okay um, motivation from this yeah like so like if I can um, give like some form of like education about like like stuff that I I had to learn over time myself if I can fast track someone else's development or understanding or whatever that like beliefs and things like that. like if I, if I can help someone, to sort of better understand life and living or mindset or oh, personal growth, like anything positive out of it, then I'm, I'll am i go down the rabbit hole every single podcast. Yeah, even if it's just the tipping point for them, for I'm someone to, to the mic. come in. Am I still on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you it into your hand, the mic's sideways. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's just like the tipping point for someone to go like, you know that thing I've been thinking of doing for six months, I'm going to get off my ass, I'm going to finally do it. Yeah. It's literally like, I find massive, like it's, sort of not related but it is in terms of like mindset 
is people are always like, no, I'm too tired to do that. I don't have enough time. But it's like you wake up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., like when you normally wake up at 7 or 6. Yeah. And go for that one kilometer run that you say, oh, I need to go for a run. or do, And just start out doing something achievable. In fucking a week or six weeks or a, a year, say you do that run or whatever you've been saying I want to do and you start doing it, it's like that one little thing that you like just change from, you know, it's for me it's like, oh no, I can't edit or I can't do this because I'm at uni. It's like, no, nah, stuff that I'll just compromise and work harder and do things a bit smarter and then I'll have an hour to relax from study and do editing or something, which is going to benefit me. It's like, yeah. this two days off don't is a massive waste reset time. Button, yeah, so. yeah, I mean, like You're probably like, going to get more out of your study Monday, Tuesday now. Yeah, but it's like, I have friends that are like, no, no, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, I can't do that. I'm like, and but they whinge that they don't get to go out and they don't you yeah. know, do things that they enjoy, they don't get to go for a walk with their dog, they feel bad, all this sort of stuff. It's like, at some point, you've just got to literally put that thought into motion and say, no, nah, I'm going to wake up do it, at six, go for a 15-minute walk. That 15-minute walk might turn into a half-an-hour walk. The earlier you get up, eventually it becomes, like, normal. It's yeah. because it's, you've changed your mindset and things that were, like, unachievable are now, like... And this is just a walk, which is very basic sort of thing. But eventually it's like, oh, that business that I'd love to start, it's like, once you start look, looking at logistics and planning and, like, oh, how am I going to grow this? And, you know, yeah. creating that account that might lead to some marketing and then opportunities or contacting that supplier or whatever. Like, something. what I'm basically saying is, for this plan or idea to grow, you've got to have like a seedling that 100%. you start with. Like, it's not, you're not going to build an empire. You're not going to go and run 50Ks when you say, oh, I just want to go for a walk tomorrow morning. But eventually, you've got to just start you with never putting get, foot You need to start, forward. otherwise you'll so, never get anywhere. Like, yeah. the, first, oh, the hardest part is starting for 100%. everything. And then after that is consistency. Yeah, But absolutely. one thing like, which just made me think of a book I've been reading, it's called Atomic Habits. Can highly recommend it. And it's like, tiny changes to build long term was it you that was telling me about making your bed every day was it you nah, or someone it wasn't. else someone it, but it's like the same a, a couple of years ago it was just like might have been a podcast another podcast or something maybe, I just yeah. heard it somewhere from whatever I'm sure I've heard it on Rogan at some point maybe it, it might have been and he just said something about it was a random statistic about successful people and just making their bed every morning it sounds stupid but it's like yeah it, think back over like the last year and it's like some people, like, I don't know, it's, there were days where I'd wake up and I'd be like, oh shit, I'm running late, I won't make my bed. Now it's like a habit that I make my bed every single day. Yeah. It's like the first thing I do and it's just like, five seconds, it's not like, you know. And it gets down to full life. But it's just like that one commitment that you've told yourself and then like just starting the day off with that mindset to be committed, you're like, oh. Yeah, that little positive. It's like a winning little attitude that A little bit of dopamine. Might, little, yeah, like it a little. It sounds stupid, but I remember hearing it being yeah. like, that sounds so stupid. Like, how does making your head do this? But it's just an attitude shift. And it's thing, so minute. It's accomplish something. Yeah. It's accomplish. As soon as you get up, I don't make my bed because I don't. I don't. I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I think it's pointless. But I still do the same thing. Like, I nah. wake up in the morning, and I do emails. Yeah. Oh. And I, I do. I tick like five or ten emails off, and it, that gives me a feeling of accomplishment. Gives you a little dopamine hit because it gets down to like I've been watching like a heap of like Andrew Andrew Huberman. Um, he's like an American guy. He's like a neurologist that like breaks down like why we do think, feel, yeah, the way we do like with stuff, with sleep, with fucking breathing, with like dopamine and yeah. all that sort of shit. Um, and it gives you like a little dose of dopamine, 
puts you in a positive mindset for the day. Okay. So exactly yeah. the same principle. And the atomic habits thing I was talking about, like that leads into it. So it's based on like, which I try and live by is small percentage changes for long-term big wins. Yeah. So like um, in that book, it speaks about um, the British, I can't remember the dates, so I could be completely wrong with all that sort of shit, but um, I'm just going to shoot from the hip. The, the, the British cycling team or the UK cycling team, I can't remember, was like shithouse. Couldn't win a fucking thing. They hired this coach and he worked on this atomic habits kind of thing. So what they did was change like minor, they didn't change how they trained or anything. They just like changed the seats on the bikes to make them slightly comfier. Changed the tires, the tread on the tires slightly to do whatever. They changed their clothing slightly. Like even changed the design, of the, gave the guys a say in how they designed the clothing to make them feel better about wearing it. Yeah. Like little tiny things and it works out to be like if you do 1%, 1%, 1%, 1%, you've got 10%. Yeah. Like, and it happens so quickly. And then that compounds onto the next and then the next next. And all of a sudden, you're at 180% at being like 100% of what your baseline was. Yeah. And now you're at 80% better. Um, and they ended up winning like fucking Tour de France's and all sorts of shit, like big, big, like world-class yeah. biking events. And they attributed it back to this guy's minor... Sort and of he percentage. wasn't doing any performance coaching. It was literally like a mindset. It was like, like mindset yeah. and like little bit, just tiny things to make the slightest, slightest improvement that yeah. no one would think about. It's interesting because I guess what we've sort of spoken about a lot there is like you jump up and do your emails. I jump up, make my bed and do similar stuff. Like yeah. I'll, I'll reply to whatever and do things. Or it might be... but. For someone, it might be not adding something. It might be as simple as not getting on your phone as the first thing you do in the morning. That is terrible as unhealthy. That is like massive because then by simply not getting on your phone, it might give you that hour to do things. Like it's by not doing your phone and sitting on Instagram or whatever. Like I'm massive for, you know, like I sort of not make a living off Instagram, but like I do a lot of shit on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. Like I'm a massive social media advocate in the right space for the right amount of person. Everyone's different. Like, I might use it for an hour a day. People might use it five hours a day, depending on what they do. Like, yeah. I'm not... It's Everyone's different, so you need to assess it yourself. But if you go, oh, I'm not achieving everything I want to, but sit on Instagram as the first thing you do for an hour and then wake up feeling sloppy and then you, that carries through yeah. your day, it's like, that's something that you can, One, dr- like, drastically change immediately. Like, it's just, yeah. don't I, do it. I like, get up at 5 a.m. every morning. Yeah. I don't care if I went to bed at 4.45. I get up at 5 o'clock. Yeah. And I don't allow myself the, the like being comfortable. There's no longevity in it because the comfort is never going to stay there forever. And being comfortable makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. To a point where I'm probably too far that way. <laughs> um, but like me going oh fuck I went to bed at I, I need, I'm editing which I do that most nights or I'm editing or I'm watching tutorials or I'm learning about editing things like that or, or learning about business or doing anyway um, doing that till fucking midnight and I've got to get up at 5 o'clock um, I still get up at 5 o'clock regardless because my alarm goes off at 5 and I go oh I'm going to sleep in then I go fuck that feels good Yeah. woke up at 7 then I'm behind yeah. my day for starters and the next morning 
I'm more inclined to do that again. Yeah. Um, whereas I can modify my day slightly to get a better sleep the next night, maybe. Or like organize a lunchtime nap or something like that to break. Like people don't think like that. And yeah. like the whole opportunity thing too. So like think long-term, think small incremental changes over long-term and take opportunities as they arise and don't make excuses. The excuses is a big one for me. Opportunities as in, I'm bad for it. Like if someone throws me a bone, man, and invites me somewhere, you want to hope you're fucking serious about it because I'll be at your door. Yeah. Like I'll just do it. Um, and committing, like committing to it and then not making excuses the shit like I'm too busy or whatever or I always get because I run two businesses work um, as a project manager still do all these crazy trips and shit um, and I'm fucking everywhere doing everything all the time people go how do you find the time make it yeah I have heaps of time I probably could still milk more time out of what I, my day yeah. and it's not due to no sleep like I started doing that shit and all it was doing was killing me. I was going to say, that in itself is unsustainable. Like, yeah. everyone has different sleep patterns, different whatever. Like, that's, yeah. you've got to, you know, it's given alter me, it and refine it to work, find what works. But, yeah, it's yeah. given me insomnia now. Like, well, that, like, I spent, like, 12 months, eh? Burning the candle. And now, I struggle to sleep properly. Yeah. Like, I can stay awake all fucking night. Um, I can't switch off and shit as well. Yeah. And like, there, there was no sustainability. Like, I was hitting like brick walls, and I was getting to the point where like I could flat out tie shoelaces. Do you find that does that come from like prioritizing, say, work more over these sort of trips? Because I find that like this will refresh me. Like I'm coming into exam period, and that was a massive motivator for this trip. Is like, let's get this. It's been a little while since we spoke about it. We've all been doing busy doing stuff, like actually doing stuff, not just saying, "Oh no, I can't this weekend," yeah. and then not doing anything. We've all been doing stuff. Um, but a massive motivator for me to be like, nah, let's just get this done as like a first off is because I'm basically booked out with uni for the next six weeks yeah. till the mid-November, sit my finals for fourth year. And then it's like, I'd love to say I'm free, but I've got five weeks of placement I've got to do before January next year where I start uni again. Yeah. So it's like, I just in the foreseeable future couldn't see us doing shit for the next six weeks, maybe next, you know, few months. Yeah. Um, it's just like, yeah, this now though will refresh me for that period. Like I feel so, yeah. and it's weird because I haven't had a sleep in since, you know, the start of the year. Like it sounds stupid, but I haven't had a sleep in. But it's like, I feel like I needed it. And then waking up at 4.30 every day this weekend has given me a refresh. Like yeah. it's, how stupid is that? No, it is it's, though. It's, What's it, the saying? It's, like a change of scenery is as good as a holiday. holiday? It's oh, it's just crazy how well, like this you, weekend's been so beneficial for everything like it's just yeah you look at it this way like okay you spent the next so what Friday was like say four days all up so the two days we've just had plus two to, to this week for study right you study those four days you're probably going to get you do X amount of study you have two days hunting hit the reset button you'll probably get four days worth of study done in two days yeah because oh, for sure. your mental's oh, better. Like higher quality. Like, you, yeah. you know, your yeah. memory retention because you've, like, you've just 
basically wipe with the mic. Oh, basically yeah. keep doing that, don't I? <laughs> yeah, it's dark. I can't Back see where to it is. The hunting, because I wanted to ask you this earlier. Because <laughs> yeah, I felt sorry. like, especially early, I was probably talking a lot about chittle and stuff. But yeah. this trip was about first and introductions into the space. What uh, like, like what are your takeaways? Is like if you could portray it to anyone. I don't know what my question is as such. It's more just like, what was your expectations and did it meet it in sense of like, or what you pictured as like hunting, was it similar? Like for someone that hasn't potentially done it? Um, say, you go first. No, go, go more context, Kenya. So like, did you say, oh, we're just going to jump out of the car and, you know, we'll walk and we'll see a deer and then we'll sneak in and, you know, we'll, we'll either shoot it or scare it walk another 100 metres, see another deer, like, like it's compared to, like, there was one stage there we walked for Fair five way. out. Today we saw bugger all. Like, yeah. we went to how many different, like, swamps and lagoons, yeah. it walks through so many creeks. I think we saw three pigs and that was it. Yeah. So that, that, was, like, that was at the we, first Whereas the yesterday morning. was completely different. We were seeing 30, 40 deer um, and just, and been on deer and, you know, there was stages throughout that where we didn't see deer for five hours and then for a few hundred metres we'd see deer, 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 deer. And yeah. it's just... Did you think, like, I don't know, it's... Oh, no, I think I know what you mean. I think I know, it's I just think, like... Well, I'll answer to what I think it is. So, like, I didn't have an expectation to see, even see a deer. And it was way more challenging than I thought at, like, an animal perspective. So, like, I understand, like, I enjoy hunting, like, sustainable hunting and the hunt, ethical hunting. I enjoy it. I... I watch it like I understand I understand the concept and the context of what goes into bow hunting but until you actually experience it you don't obviously know Yeah. and then there's layers under that obviously but this was like next level like I was taking notice of like your gait like how you walked like you didn't have your fucking arms swinging out the side bumping shit how you walked like with your peripherals to step over logs and rocks and stuff whereas I was looking down the whole time yeah which like just simple things like that how you move and everything like the challenge it's, it's I like it because it's like super fucking hard but also super fucking rewarding which is why I attribute it a lot to like fly fishing yeah for me like it's a way harder way of doing something but ten times more rewarding and ten times more immersive um which I really enjoy. And then it brings into the whole, like, the outback, the camping, the mateship, the hard work, and all that sort of stuff. It was exactly, basically, it was exactly what I thought it was, but better, but also harder. Yeah, cool. Um, if that's a... Ben? That's you, sort of weird yeah, fucking um, I like that. But, yeah. I like that. Like it's, yeah, it's interesting to hear that sort of... Because, yeah. like, I've just grown up doing it, so I sort of might not appreciate certain things that, like stepping over logs it's just like it's weird like I'll well, you wouldn't know put, you do it I put my heel down first and then slowly lower my yeah. toe or in certain spots where there's like a tiny little gap I'll put my toe down and might not even put my heel down yeah. and know that and like certain spots on the basalt I'll you only walk, walk on rocks, on rocks yeah, and I never that. touch yeah the yeah. ground or leaves because, because that's just a crack potentially or like a crushing noise yeah um, I'll obviously put just enough weight on that rock to see if it's going to vibrate or move or displace but it's like I don't think about that anymore, so it's interesting yeah. to see that that's something that you observed. Like yeah. that's that's cool. I, when you I really take when you take because you, like you rest your bow over the back of your shoulders. Yeah. When you but take you it off, notice as soon as we got to sub one hundred, 
yeah. or it's in front of you. It's out, off in my your, shoulders and it's, it's in your profile. It's shiny and yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's within your like your you body profile. Yeah. So like, and how you take it off though? You don't just like put your arms like a shoulder press and fucking pick it off. <laughs> Eat it. You grab, you grab like one side close to your face and tip it, and then slide it down vertically. Like yeah, oh, I no, noticed cool. all that well, shit. It's, yeah. Because like yeah, and it's like. By noticing that, I realised I wasn't doing that. I realised I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I noticed your tripod early, and I didn't say anything. But I didn't feel the need to because we were sort of like glassing along the, the long, way. We're having an hour. You would have it sort of like on a forty-five. Yeah. It was probably easy to carry. But then gradually, as the day day went on, like that's how quick it happened within like hours, if not, you know, like yeah. Probably like when you realise where I held my bow and where I did things. Yeah. Your tripod was literally always streamlined and hidden behind me and like tucked yeah. in and like legs not out and just like you narrow your body and like yeah. even just how originally we were walking in a line in a lot of places or in a game trail and then if the game trail snakes sort of left, you boys would like snake left with me and that would create like a big horizontal one, two, three men yeah. sort of thing. Whereas as the days went on and as we got closer to deer and stuff, it was like that direct line of sight to the deer was always streamlined as just on that yeah. that um that last stalk way that you ended up going in solo for a bit yeah um you probably wouldn't have seen it Aiden because you were looking forward and you were at the head of that line but going down through all that real rocky boulder stuff being at the back I was like could see us really well and how well we were sticking within yeah. like within your shadow and I actually had so, because it was really rocky and like our footing was a bit unstable, I, I actually had one. Pump. Yeah, I had one hand on Wade's hip in front of me, and I just could tap without having to look at him. I would know when he'd stopped, so I could keep an eye on where my feet yeah. were going. Yeah, and I knew like because yeah. the other thing we're claiming on rocks with fucking cameras coming out. Oh, oh yeah, shit the, terrain. Yeah, thinking that, that's like, country. Gonna like, drop and fall and smash proper walls. Yeah. But yeah, like like you said, and you only real you pointed it out maybe once or twice in the first half of day one that we were like snaking on a diagonal and getting pretty visible. Yeah. Um, yeah. What yeah. Was your, so what was your take on the whole oh, scene? So, um, on, on the chorn? It's been a like the biggest thing for me was I felt like it's been a while since I've felt like total, no- this sounds a bit silly, but total novice at something and felt really out place, like out of place in a, some like in an environment that I'd usually feel pretty comfortable in. And it was, purely from just watching you Aiden and being like oh my god I stand out like a sore thumb here yeah. compared to this guy like bro um, I don't yeah, it was feel like- I, it was like a, a real like just starting back at ground zero in a whole new like sport or pursuit that yeah it was totally foreign to me I thought I had a bit of an understanding like coming from a couple other like pursuits that are similar like on paper are similar, but then you actually give it a crack and it's so different. Like, yeah, um, it was a heap harder than I, th- I thought it was going to be a lot easier to get closer to him. Um, I, I, I did, I was confident that we'd see deer just based off your knowledge of where we were going and their patterns and stuff. So I was pretty confident um, in you to put us on onto deer and to see him and get photos of him. Um, and yeah, the other thing would just be like, how difficult the deer make it. Like, I didn't realise they were that. You, you can't really tell until you try and sneak in on one. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. It was cool to feel like, yeah, to- something totally starting from the ground up at, yeah, 
I really appreciate that, like that you, you're saying it's very new. And I actually feel like you're being a bit hard on yourself because I didn't, in my opinion, like in my sorry, recognition, have to like be like, oi, Ben, tuck in, tuck in here, like at all. Yeah. It was very like, I never sort of was like, oh, Ben, jump back in, like, come on, say sort of like, there were times here obviously where we were moving and because there's three people, you can't yeah. literally be a within shadow. a metre space. Like, you just can't fit that with tripods and bows. Yeah. And and especially, like, I might be able to drop down at a view and I'm three metres in front of you. So, my view is completely different to yours where you still have to be upright because the deer could be looking at you. Yeah. Or I can, I'm out of view now from that deer so I can run the next 20 metres theoretically, quietly. But you still have to make that last metre because you're three or four metres behind me in... Like that deer might be looking at you and only see you. Yeah. I was getting a little bit like what um, surprised me and at the start it was a little bit frustrating but sort of by the end I was realising that it's all part of the parcel. Um, I thought I'd be have um, an easier time spotting them. Being like, tall. Yeah, well, that too. But having seen like enough of your photos and um, like I knew what shape I was looking for but even when um, like, wait, you seem to spot them with... A fair bit I of think ease, it's just but even I've when hunted before, yeah. In all fairness, too, you even boys though when didn't have binoculars, and you were in front of, you were behind me, so yeah. I obviously had the best view, and then you were behind me, which means you have the second best view generally, and then yeah. you're last in line. Yeah. So by the time, it sounds stupid, but a meter Makes is like difference. a whole different world. Like yeah. when I'm stalking in spots where I'm like, all right, there should be deer here early morning, and they're moving. And they're, like, more alert. There's everything sort of up and feeding and there's roos around and, like, there's things going on, like, things are moving. And you're trying to read that situation. I'll take a step in thick tea tree and glass for three minutes and then I'll take one step and I'll be like, holy shit, there's a deer at 50 metres I didn't see for three whole minutes. That was there the whole time. Yeah. And it's purely by moving one metre or one step and, like, a window just opening up through the trees and you see an antler flick it or an ear flick it 50 metres or potentially 600 metres or whatever. Like, it's so, yeah, like, you were at the back. Um, yeah, I often, think I was which coming meant- from the point of view, say, like, I used, the, we chatted about a little bit, the example of, um, like, abalone diving. When you're looking, like, early days as a young kid starting out, um, it was always like, oh, they're really difficult to find, and you're looking for a you're looking for a algae covered rock amongst a whole field of algae covered rocks. Um, and it wasn't until you know you you first make out that exact outline, and then all of a sudden they're visible everywhere because once once you recognise the shape once, they just stand out. Um, so in my head, I sort of had it like, oh, once I see a deer, I'll start picking out that really recognisable shape. So it was it was a good bit of like a reality check that it's yeah. like. It's not as easy as oh, for sure. on paper it's like, it sounds. Yeah. Like, um, can I ask another question for each of you? Like this one's a bit more of a quicker one. Yeah. But shoot, what was your? If you had to narrow it down to one thing, which I sort of don't like doing, but what was your highlight? Like I feel like I probably know yours, Wade. Yeah, mine would have been that. Probably that stalk, but also just fucking hanging out, man. Like yeah, but that's like as a whole, it was just fucking unreal. Yeah, but I would have assumed it was probably the stalk, that stalk because. Yeah. That's, in my opinion, that's big. Like, to have never hunted or boasted, like, just never really stalked. Never, ever. No. To then be able to, like, first day of hunting chittle deer, get into 40 metres by yourself is pretty, like, pretty cool. Pretty stoked. I'm pretty stoked. Um, <laughs> oh, so you should be. Yeah. But, like, I was sort of interested to see what your I actually, whatever um, would be. 
I don't really want that. Definitely that. I really enjoyed watching Wade's that your stalk Wade, but also having Aiden's like commentary. It would have been neat to hear it was, that. Actually. Oh man, if we I should have recorded. Should, it. I, I think got, I got bits of it, but it was like debrief. And you brought up an interesting point that was like a really good example of like um, perspectives, like everything. Um, I'll bring it round back to it. It was Wade was um, scooting along at really low, really crouched. Um, in between all the rocks and in my head I was like that's exactly what I would be doing if I was trying to sneak in I'd keep low and um, use the ground cover as much as I could and Aiden actually pointed out that using the the really wide gums that were probably like halfway between him and the deer he could almost stand up if he got his line right he could stand up as tall as he wanted and actually move on two points of contact instead of three or four and like straight away I was like that makes perfect sense where you know we walk on two feet he's going to be a lot more like confident um, and quiet on two feet than crawling on all fours um, you know he's going to be able to see his footing better and it wasn't until you pointed that out that I was like oh that, to sort of that makes a lot of sense like interject there too it obviously worked what you did and like there's no right or wrong it's just when I said that my logic was where we were was in that it was a bit of a shoot like that. We had that mm. ridge line, the water. In my head, I was like, the cover was great, as we mentioned earlier, with like the big gums and the um, Malalukas and stuff. Yeah. And the topography, and then you had that big log. I was like, in my head, those gums, as we said, were wider than any human, but they were also vertical, yeah. very tall. And because there was only like three deer there at the end, I was like, if you can line up their heads, and even if you can see one. And it's chewing its card because they were better at that stage. I was like, it might. That's where for me, as I'm reading that situation, I'm not like, oh, how can I get in to 30 meters? I'm like, what's the biggest threat? And for me, there, it's not them seeing you or hearing you, or hearing you is as you get closer, it becomes more of a threat. But it was actually the wind in that situation. I'm like, I stopped every time until the wind was blowing over my right shoulder, which was to break up noise. Yeah, yeah, but more. In those spots, it's like you're not on an open ridge, like flat. Sorry, you're not on open, like flat country where it's just generally going to just blow the same direction. Like a southwesterly will be southwesterly for the majority of the day. Yeah. In those spots, it's like the wind will just shift and suck down a, a little. Bowl, yeah, it was. Like, yeah. It was like literally the worst spot to sort of get, and which is what happened. We got wind. Um, yeah. with well, the, at the start of it. Yeah. But um, yeah. Like long story short, I was sort of saying to Ben like he might be better off instead of crawling and being like out of view he might be better off trying to be out of view for majority more probably quiet being up and out of the like the grass and the leaves and stuff and stepping on rocks and you could probably make up that 10 meters to the next tree a little bit quicker yeah than if you crawl because you were stealthy as all hell and quiet and stuff so it worked like, yeah it's all like hindsight but it's just stuff that like yeah and it's shit I didn't think of. Like, it oh, makes but complete you sense. Wouldn't, like, or you will, because when you do more stalks with this and stuff, it's like you'll go, ah, oh, shit, like, yeah, it is louder or it is quieter. Or, no, nah, you know what? I'm not going to risk being spotted by that deer just to get meters quicker. Yeah. If I literally am belly crawling, which might be a bit uncomfortable, a bit slower, and I'm just going to back myself in that the wind's going to rem- remain consistent, this deer is not seeing me. Yeah. So certain aspects work, but it's like, it's cool that you actually mentioned that, Ben. Um, what was yours? Oh, sorry. Who, who I was just going to say, coming from like my background in hunting is predominantly underwater. 
<laughs> coming from like a very short form of hunting it's like yeah, yeah hunting yeah, for yeah. as long as you can hold your breath which yeah. in the grand scheme of things is not very long at all you're then like just stretching that out over a much longer duration with yeah. so many more fact like fish can't smell you at 100 meters deer can fish can't like hear you or there's a heap of other points that like there's no wind yeah. underwater to worry about which way you scent blowing like it's just a far more like intricate and challenging way of um yeah, yeah. it's different though like it is oh, definitely different. there's like, like you don't know what fish is scared the, the smallest of similarities to draw like a connection to yeah. but also like so different yeah what was yours bro Mine, to sort of wrap it up, I reckon we're running be, out of time. We're running out of road. Yeah, we're nearly 100%. Um, I've still got two. Yeah, go. Like, two as a whole, as a tr- no, no, two, yeah. two, highlights. two highlights. As a whole, like, if you had have said, like, oh, Wade's going to have a stalk by himself and get into 40 minutes of deer, I'd be like, fuck, bullshit. Like, oh, true. That's, that's, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, like, yeah, like, that's cool. just, like, sick. Because like, yeah. for me, it was like, and I, obviously, we stalked those deer earlier. You spotted those deer earlier. You spotted these deer. We got in from, like, 600, did a big loop, got into 70 or whatever it was together. Yeah. I was like, what is there to lose? Like, yeah. yeah you, and I was half, in my head, I was like, oh, should I come with him? And But then I was like, what's the point of me making the decisions? Like, this isn't, this is literally why we're here, so you can see what it's like. I didn't even give you like a, oi, try and get to that tree and then go to that tree and like, because I was just like, you'll figure it out. Like, I think you were like, I think you said, oh, oh I like want to go in by yourself. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'll, well, because if you had said, oh, no, nah, I really want to get footage and you try and get me into 30, I would have been like, oh, cool, let's do that. And it would, I probably would have done it different. That's why I was like, that you're not going to, there's no, say the deer saw you, took one step and it barked. Who cares? We would have yeah. literally just gone on to the next, like, we would have just gone to the next opportunity. It's more that, you know, with no expectations means you can do absolutely anything. And that was really cool. Um, and seeing you have that stalk and then come back and be absolutely rooted because you, like, concentrated so hard for that period. What are you doing with that mic, was bro? sick. I dropped it. Um, oh, I did you really drop the mic? <laughs> Turn it off if and you And then... Matt, are you good? I dare say personal thing was, like, I really enjoyed this Arvo. <laughs> Just because oh, it was like birds. the perfect recap. Yeah, there was no like, oh, I hope we can find some deer. I hope we can find a pig. I hope we can do this. Maybe we'll go and do like a walk. It was just like no pressure. We just literally went and sat there, talked shit, laughed, had a beer, watched the sunset, had all these amazing birds around us. And it was just like perfect it like cap for the for the hunt. Um, yeah, it was, yeah. It the, was whole, really cool. the whole trip was like insane. I loved it. Another question. Yes. I just wanted to... Is there like one piece of gear that you, if you had to recommend to someone coming out to this sort of area, would recommend? Like, I think Rennie's might be sunscreen <laughs> or a pillow. <laughs> a pillow. Definitely a pillow. Yeah. Pillow. Um, put, your, put your thing back. A in shirt that, without a massive gaping phone. hole on one shoulder that you don't get sunburnt through. Mine would be. Nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> the only thing that comes to mind is footwear, like yeah. good fucking shoes. You both had like good lightweight pants. We were yeah. lucky there were no real grassy clothing. And stuff. Clothing would be my top tier. I Camelbacks are big. Like yeah. maybe oh, Rennie might actually. Have that was it. yeah. That was my big. Is that what you were expecting me to say? On camel a serious back? note, Camelbacks yeah. are massive. Because yeah. the second you I go wish, half I wish I'd had a Camelback. Because having yeah. a drink bottle, even in what I thought was like an easy to access spot, the amount of times where I was just like, no, I'm not risking taking my pack off or reaching for it to get a, a whole water bottle out if I just had a straw 
coming over my shoulder like the other two boys, I reckon I would have fared a lot better. So yeah, no, it's interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, other than that, probably like a good pack that like fits yeah. well. Pack just makes your day yeah. so much easier. Yeah, I spent the money and bought all the shit because I was pretty committed. Like no, I just actually, knew I'd use I'll, it again. Yeah, we'll backtrack sure. slightly. Um, Aiden and I were what were we doing? We were having dinner or something, and a photo of Wade in full kit, camo, backpack, everything comes through, and we both lost. This it. is like the day after. We're like, all right, let's lock in date uh, this weekend. We're going 100. percent I've called the property owner. It's all sweet. Blah blah blah. Wade's like, oh, what do I need? Like, do you have any good camo brands? I don't even think I replied to him because I was just got back from Cairns. Yeah. And then he's like, next message. What? <laughs> Two hours later is. I'm yeah. a ninja. <laughs> and then it was like, what can Ainsley you see goes, in this photo? It's like, He's oh. gone and bought an entire kit, the idiot. I've got enough spares for him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I love the dedication and like enthusiasm. Yeah, he's he's and that's like the literally what we've spoken about. Yeah. You're like, no, nah, I'm going for it. I'm going to back it in. Yeah. It might, I'm not know, a person whatever. that just does things in halves at the no. best of times. Plus, sick. I know I'm going gonna, gonna to use it again. And yeah, now I'm fucking definitely. hooked. So I'm going to like proper stalk now with the camera and learn to stalk properly. Then I'll buy a bow or I'll buy a bow and just practice with it at home, like shooting targets and just take the camera with me and learn to stalk. And then when I get competent, probably start on pigs and then develop skills and eventually get to deer. Yeah. So like, I'm really looking forward to it. It's just development on every level. Like yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Fucking it's very cool. It's a very addictive. And you're like an addictive sort of person. Oh, like where man. the more things challenge you, the more you're like, yeah, how are you? I'm going to do it. Yeah. You like being sort of driven to succeed. So Let's round this thing out. But thank you, Legends. Yeah. From On behalf of me, like it was sick to finally just... I feel like this is my zone and like Ben's been it to backstory it, taking me out diving. We're always going to Wade's house and cooking up feasts and stuff. So we're always hanging around each other and we're always just like comparing notes on what we're doing we're always busy so to finally be able to tee it up and actually yeah. like it's blown my expectations I, I had none but to say that like it's ended up like this I had a fucking insane. blast man no, I was it really it was wicked to see like to put a a picture to all the stories like you tell us and all the photos you show us for us to actually like be there and see how difficult it is has given me like for every photo I've seen of yours of a deer or of every successful hunt, it's just gone like a 10 times a multiplier. Of yeah, how you see actually their eyelids like, up that's close and stuff. seriously impressive that you made that happen. That's cool. It's just time in the bush though. It like it's, it's the same as when I see your fishing stuff and everyone else is like someone, it doesn't matter what it is. It can be skydiving. You see cool photos and you're like, that dude's got passion or that lady's got passion and they're doing what they love. Like how sick is that? I've got the perfect round out for this too. Rennie snoring under a tree. <laughs> Thanks heaps to the potty boys. Thank you. No worries, mate. Was wicked. Can you do the next one? I'll have a copy of that, by the way. <laughs> I'll send it to you.